right, folks. All right. Whoa! I almost dropped my drink all over everything. Oh, that would have that would have been that would have been some sad shit. I had fears all day of dropping a drink on the computer. All right, pause. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of what show, Huck? Uh, I think it was the Boombastic. The Boombastic cast. That's one of my favorite shows. Thank you. Um, we got a glorious episode for y'all out there today. We have the great Afro with us. All flows reach out. You know, he's a hip hopper on the, on his come up. Uh, super talented guy, super nice guy, loves films, you know what I mean? Of course, loves music and hip-hop. We're, we're diving into a little bit of both in this, you know what I mean? The man loves Jim Varney. If you love Jim Varney, you're going to heaven, dude. You could live a terrible life, and as long as you love Jim Varney, you're going to heaven. That's how good he is. Um, horror fan, man, really great dude. I think this is the, the beginning of a beautiful thing with him. You know, he's one of us, man. He's one of us. He, he felt like he could have been a third member of the Boombastic cast for crying out loud. Um, but now it's time for y'all folks to get in tune with Afro and uh, get hip to him. You know what I mean? Hawk, you think they're ready? You think they're ready for this? Hey, whether they're ready or not, they don't have a choice, man. They're going to experience the Afro. Believe it. You might have seen this man on Jimmy Kimmel Live. You know what I mean? You might have seen this man in the breaks. You might have heard this man performing with Marco Polo, with Ari the Rugged Man, with Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks. You know what I mean? You might have heard that he was in good time, but unfortunately got cut, which happens to a lot of us. But, you know, he did have he w- he did have a chance to uh, be in that film, even for one day. I feel if they did not cut Afro out of good time, it would have been nominated for an Academy Award the same way the Uncut Gems was. Yeah. Even though they, they, they gave Sandman a big shice and said, fuck you, you're not getting no love, unfortunately. But I still th- I think that, that I think the Academy was still mad. I think the Academy was still mad at the brothers for not putting Afro in good time. That's yeah. why they snuffed Sandler. But I know there's no beef between Sandler and Afro. You know, much respect there between the both of them. So with that being said, we're going to dive up into this episode with Afro. All flows reach out. Uh, very good dude. We like him a lot, and we hope you do too. And enjoy this episode with Afro. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the Boombasticast. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And we got we got Alec, brother Alexander up here in the corner. Hey, man. Hey, my bro. Good to you'll see notice you. I t- you'll notice I talk way too much for the both of us. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm only here to make us look good. <laughs> you look, make me look pretty. To talk yeah. You're the model. Yeah. Yes. But James, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. Oh, thank you for having me, bro. I think you're one of the, I guess, up-and-comer would be. I mean, you've already established yourself, but, like, on the come-up, you're younger than us, which is great. You know what I mean? Just turn 25 or just turn 26? Happy belated birthday. Thank you, brother. I just turned 25. Word up. The, um, you're killing it. In your age group, you're killing You're the best in your age group. Thank the shizzle. Hell you. yeah. Now, you first popped on my radar about eight years ago, I'd say, uh, when R.A. did that, you know, the, 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 the contest there, the definition of a rap flow contest. And, right. um, but, of course, you were going before that. So let's kind of jump into, like, where it all started. Sure. You know what I mean? No problem. No problem. Now you're California, born and raised California. 
Yeah, yeah, born and raised Los Angeles. How do you like that? It's cool. It's cool. It's not, um, I would, how I describe LA is like, it's cool to visit once or twice, but if you plan on, if you plan on moving here, then I don't know, the, the, uh, it's start, it's not everything starting to rise up around here. It's like everything. So it's, I don't know if you want to live here, but it's cool being here once or twice to knock off the bucket list. Yeah, yeah man. It's one of those weird catch 22s because Hollywood, California is that hub really of a lot of entertainment, but like everybody flocks there. So I'm always, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm always interested in like the, if people that were like born there find it to be as, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, like I know people flock there for the opportunities, but you know, do you feel, you know, starting from there, you feel you get a better opportunity or is it just kind of because of everybody doing it? It's just kind of like anywhere else in a way. That's how the second thing you said, that's how I feel. It's like, like being like being raised here, I never got that feeling. Only through the movies, like that Hollywood feeling. I only got that mainly through the movies growing up. But uh, I didn't even realize that Hollywood was only twenty minutes away from where I live. So like, it's just you never like as a kid growing up, you never think that uh, that you think it's only in the movies kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then when I, it, it wasn't until I really got a little bit older, where I was like, oh, okay, I see why people like flock here and why they're going for the opportunities here and stuff but um but i definitely didn't get that feeling growing up it was just like eh, la <laughs> you know yeah did you go to high school or anything with anybody that ended up acting i know when we have actors on the show they talk about growing up in california and they're like well you got your group of kids in school that pursue and you have your group that don't and right. um i always assumed everybody pursued acting you know what i mean it's like you're there why not you know what i mean i had like i i didn't go to school with anybody that um got known for the acting or anything per se but i remember being a, a geek uh nerd in school where i had a couple friends and we'd be making like home you know home like no budget terrible home funny videos or like little little movies and stuff you know so i definitely had like a little crew of friends where we were like yo let's make movies or let's you know let's do this so but we, we got bit by the bug by that. But I didn't I didn't go to school with anybody as far as that, that got known for it. Like I know what you mean, like like on the on the hip hop side, if I, I believe Jay Z went to high school with Biggie and stuff like that. Like a lot of them kinda like you know, like uh were under the same umbrella in a way. But yeah, yeah but uh no, I never had that. Never had that with me. I'm glad to hear you did the shorts because I know you did you got into film a little later. And uh, I, there's always a great comparison between music and, and, and film, you know what I mean? It's an art form. It's one big kind of art form type deal. Right, right. So, yes. like, musically, what did you find your influences in, kind of in the beginning? What were you getting hip to? So, so I remember being seven and, like, around seven years old or six years old, and my mom and dad, they had Biggie and Tupac and Nas CDs laying around. And I would sneak, I would sneak off and listen to them and I would like the beats. I wouldn't understand completely what they were saying, but I like the overall sound of it. But it wasn't until I was nine years old and I was already a little computer whiz. So I was surfing through the YouTubes and stuff at that age. And I came across Microphone Fiend by Rock Kim. Okay. And I was nine years old and I'm just looking at the thumbnail and I'm like, this looks incredible. I click on it. The beat hooked me in. I was like, this sounds phenomenal. And then when Rakim started rhyming, like, I felt my world changed. I was like, I want to do what he's doing. Like, like that guy Rakim is incredible. So I would credit Rakim as my first 
major influence for sure. Word. Yeah, the beat thing's funny because I remember in the early days, but I'd always get hard times about the lyrics. You know what I mean? And the one thing, I'll, the one go-to thing was always, "Well, I like the beats." So that was like your excuse as a kid not to get in trouble for the lyrics right. in it. Oh, the right, right. I just like the music. I like the beats. Right. right. Hey, hey, I just read the articles in Playboy. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I buy Playboy just for the articles. Yeah. <laughs> Now I know you, you you know film work film you know references come up in your your in your music a lot you know what I mean who as a kid who'd you like to get into film wise Oh okay so I would say that's a good question I mean my my go to guys like I would say that I know we were going to talk about Jim later but oh, yeah. my my first hero like literally five or six years old. My mom got me Ernest Scared Stupid. Like okay. I remember, I remember like yesterday, like the the OG cover with the pumpkin and the DVD cover. Yeah. I remember being like, "What? Like just like this looks awesome." And I I watched it like a million times. So I would say Jim was definitely my first film like guy, like where I, like my first guy I loved watching. Yeah. Um, and then after that, strangely, I would say Austin Powers. So I was like seven or eight years old, dressed up as Austin six years ago. That's <laughs> dressed up as Austin Powers the whole get up and everything and i'd be dancing like i i gotta find i'm sure we have pictures of it somewhere but but it's it's hilarious like little fro is austin powers i would actually dress up as jim also around halloween too i'd have my own vest i'd make my own little Ernest get up had the gray cap had the vest i had like i just made it, it was so i dress up as both of them <laughs> you, know, you gotta do an Ernest themed music video one day no. And we, we, I've actually talked to um, a couple of videographers about it. So yeah. we will make that happen one day. Word. I'm either, I'm either debating on remaking Scared Stupid and putting new uh, lyrics on it and filming a video, or, um, I'm definitely going to figure something out. That's going to happen in the future. That'd be dope, man. You could get the troll. You could have somebody make that troll, I bet, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that troll, I think the Chiodo brothers, the, the people that did Killer Clowns, I think, were did that. Tr- that yeah, they did. They yeah. did. Yeah, that's what. And um, if you look at the trolls at the finale of Scared Stupid, when everything's going crazy, a lot of them look dead ass, just like the Killer Clowns. Like they yeah. literally the same design and everything. So yeah. yeah, I tell you, Scared Stupid. I think you know we did an episode not too long ago. We kind of ranked the Ernest movies. You know, Scared Stupid, I feel like there's... I usually put trilogies in, like, three parts. There's, like, the, the first one's, like, the golden movies. Then there's, like, a middle ground. And then there's kind of, like, a not-so-great. Where I think that, like, the last golden, great, earnest movie was probably Scared Stupid. And then you went into, you know, Goes to School, Rides Again, you know, which were fun. Yeah. They're good. They're middle ground. And then you get to, like... Slam dunk Ernest, Ernest in the army, Ernest goes to Africa is kind of like those. Yeah, Ernest goes goes to Africa. I was going to say that one. (laughs) Ernest goes to Africa has got some like incredibly racist moments in it. It's crazy. It's it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. And as a kid, I used to love that film, but I felt like as I grew up, I was like, yeah, Africa is probably my least favorite, one of my least favorite ones that are Ernest ones. Yeah. I, when I think of Africa, I just remember him going, what up, brother, man? Like, that was the something like that. That's what flashes <laughs> and then, And then the best part from Ernest uh, in the army is when he's, like, in front of that weird tank thing. And he's, and he's like, I will cut your guts out with a rock. I love that part, dude. Yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think army's, like, army isn't, like, technically the best one. But I think it's a bit underrated. I, yeah. I actually really like army. 
think it's funny. Um, what's your favorite? Look, I know overall. Yeah, we can get your, into it. What's your, what's, your t- what's your top three Ernest films? Um, in no particular order, I would probably say Camp, Christmas, and Scared Stupid. How about Christmas, you? Christmas is awesome. I love, I love Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is awesome. Um, damn, me, just on a huge nostalgia bias and overall because of how much I love it, I would say Scared Stupid is my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think Jail's underrated. I, I, I love Jail. Yeah. I like Jail. Yeah. 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 Jail's a little wonky, but, um, that was probably my, one of my favorites as a kid. So I would say Scared Stupid, Jail. And I'd probably say Christmas too. I'd say yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Christmas I, is great. I'd play, Jail would be number four for me. Hawkman, what do you think for your number three? Well, I have to say, I mean, my personal favorite was Jail for the simple fact that not only did you have, uh, Varney playing, of course, Ernest, but he's also playing the bad guy. His, yeah. his evil doppelganger. Yeah. Which honestly, I mean, I mean, you see the different um, Ernest movies, and he does play different characters, different variations. But I thought that was the best one because of that, because it wasn't just a parody of someone else. It was like you know he was playing two definite different yeah. characters. Absolutely. And personally, Absolutely. yeah, uh, uh, Go to Jail is my favorite. Scared Stupid, very close second. And I probably would have to put um, uh, Christmas as as third. That's awesome. Yeah. Go to Jail is definitely my favorite out of the honest movies. And and it's funny you said, Alex, and I agree with that because when Jim was playing Nash, when he was playing the bad guy, it just showed how how great Jim would have been in his later career too, as like more, as more dramatic or more like bad guy work. He could have definitely had more roles like that where he just like sunk his teeth in like roles like that. Like I could tell there was like an energy with, um, with Jim playing Nash. Like he's like, I'm going to be able to showcase this type of skill that I have. And I always like, as a kid, I loved it. But then when I grew up, I started like realizing all of that. And I was like, wow, like, I, I I'm I just appreciate Jim so much where it's like wow I can see like he would have killed roles like that later on like that. Well, I, I mean the thing about Jim is he kind of falls in the same category as Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. in the fact that Jim he made his uh, he first was a dramatic actor doing Shakespeare right. all right. that on, on on theater on Broadway and. You know, Leslie Nielsen himself, I mean, he was a dramatic uh, actor First, most yeah. of his entire life. And then, of course, with Leslie, it was Airplane. With, you know, uh, Varney, it was Ernest. And then they, you know, did the comedy, and then only people could see him as comedy. And they wouldn't give him a chance to do anything more serious. So, yeah, that's why I really liked that one, because it gave him the opportunity to touch back to something else that, you know, showing that if if you're an actor, I mean, the whole thing is it's acting. You can be dramatic or you can be right. comical. Right. And sometimes some of our best comedy actors are our best dramatic actors. Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree. 100%. And I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy you made the comparison with Leslie because Leslie's another one that I really love. Like, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Leslie. And uh, I always, I, I always knew he started off with the dramatic roles too. But I always felt an underrated role from him was Creepshow yeah. because, oh. 
he would he, it was like a blend of both it was like he's over the top zany but he's also playing the scumbag so it's like it's just a perfect blend of both that's probably might be my favorite role from him just because of that like, it's, it's just a perfect blend of dramatic and just like boom you know yeah, it was funny because Matt and I did a um, top uh, 10 AD, uh, top uh, 10 performances after death. Mm-hmm. We do that for a bunch of different actors. We did that with Leslie Nielsen. And for me, I picked Creep Show as his best performance ever wow. because of that. Because wow. it was, as, as I always say, that when, when I think the best performance is when they hit like the best level of their their talents, whether it's comedy, drama, or in this case, more of a combination of both. So that's, yeah, I, I love that movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Creep Show's in my heart. That's like one of my favorites ever. Yeah. ever. yeah Varney did like a handful of dramatic stuff, did like Daddy and Them. He did yeah. something with um, Patrick Swayze, I think, like leaving Reno or something like that. Um I remember I went and got, I bought all those dramatic ones. There was one that I didn't, I couldn't find where he played like an alcoholic, which I always wish I could have found because I bet he'd be fucking devastating in that. You know what I mean? He yeah, was on, yeah. Sorry, brother. Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. no, 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 no. You were probably no. going to say something more important. And no, no, not. And the, the thing about daddy and them is that he had a really great dramatic performance that would have stole the whole show, but they cut it out of the movie. Uh, so I was like, they they did Jim dirty. It was like Jim put in the best performance of the whole movie, and they cut it out. It's like, wow, like it's just dirty, like, you know. Crazy. I, wonder, I wonder if a decision like that's made because they can't see the true talent in the scene, and they go, people are going to know him from Ernest, and they're not going to take the dramatic over well. I wonder if that's what I could see. That. That's unfortunate. See. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, wow, he was like he. Uh, he he obliterated that scene in the best way. I was like, wow, like he he went in, like he yeah. he really killed that scene. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. he was he was even really good on Roseanne. I don't know if you guys watched that back in the day. Oh no, I'm a I'm a look younger than you guys. Uh, yeah. I've only seen one or two Roseanne episodes so far, but uh, I'm gonna check that out just for Jim. I watch it just for Jim. He's in, I think, the last season. Roseanne has like a great arc. People give it hard times more so now because she went like crazy and. You know, yeah. they fired and all that, but like that first, that first batch was pretty iconic and it has, it's got one of the best television endings ever, I feel. It's very over people's heads, but, um, I won't spoil it if you're going to go into it. But, um, another fun story about Roseanne is you guys know Divine from like the John Waters movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, Pink Flamingos and Pink stuff. Pink Flamingos like and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That dude was going to come in and play her father, but he died the day before they were going to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of, you know, Roseanne was kind of like a white trashy show, you know, they were like a white trash family type deal. So it was perfect that like Divine was going to come in because like John Waters is like, I love John Waters, but he's he's labeled, you know, the trashiest filmmaker there is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very sad, but (laughs) he was. I want to meet him. I want to meet him before he goes. Alex got to meet Leslie Nielsen before he died. And I was always very jealous. Alex, how was Leslie? How was he in person? Oh, um, I met him at a convention. He was very nice. Um, I do have to admit, when I saw him, he w- he really looked tired. He what? I mean, like it's, it, it was literally like a year before he passed. Oh wow! wow. Um, actually, uh, there was a series that I, I loved that uh, when there was a kid called Due South, 
Um, it was about a Canadian Mountie that comes to Chicago, ends up uh, working with a Chicago cop. And it's the, you know, fish out of the water, you know, two opposites becoming best friends kind of dynamic. And Leslie Nielsen played a Mountie that came down for like two or three episodes. And it was great because I was talking to him and his father was a Mountie himself in real life. So I was talking to him and he said, yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a homage to his father. Also that, you know, he made a comment that he was bow-legged because of riding horses for so many years. It was a nice little, you know, nice little conversation. I mean, I, of course, after, you know, he died, I kind of wish that, you know, I stayed and talked longer with him, but it was one of those things that was near the end of the uh, day. And like I said, he definitely looked like he was extremely tired and I didn't want to take up too much of his time, but, uh, that was a good experience. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good to know that he was nice, too, though. You know, like, even yeah. despite he was tired, that he was still nice, you know? That's, yeah, that's big, because you meet people that just got out of bed in their dickhead, you know what I mean? <laughs> in, the, in the convention, they're so, the conventions, are, they turn into a gigantic money racket nowadays. Like, when they first started, dude, I remember I went to the first horror convention I ever went to. I fuck, I got an autograph from Kane Hodder, who's a good, great dude. I've worked worked with him before, too. And $5, I paid $5 for an autograph. Now everybody gets $50 just to like shake their hands, dude. It's crazy. Oh, okay, Matt, you got to say, tell the story of you and Jason what? Momoa. Oh, well, me and Jason Momoa got beef a little bit. Oh, um, wow, wow. <laughs> they threw interested. down. They're fighting more. They're going to do in the pocket lot tomorrow. It's not real beef. It's fun beef. I just, I, you know, we make movies. So whenever I go to a convention, I always bring movies and I go around to the guests and I go, hey, you know, I don't, I'm not expecting or wanting you to give me some career or anything, but I like, I'm a big fan of you. I respect what you do. I made this film. I'm hoping you could enjoy it. Maybe you'll have a, a home on your movie collection at home. And if that, if that happens, I'm perfectly happy. And uh, so I got in line to meet Jason Momoa and, uh, I got, I waited like fucking a half hour in line to get to like his, his assistant. And I was like, can I go in and just say hi? And they were like, no, you got to pay 75 bucks. And I was like, I can't just go say, Hey. And they were like, no. So like, I was right at the table and I was like, well, fuck that. And I started like walking away and he gave me that Jason Momoa eyebrow. Like I was a dickhead. So I gave it back to him. And, uh, ever since then, I joked around that we got beef. We don't actually have beef. I tried to get him pulled out of the second Aquaman movie, but, you know, I, I know, to no benefit, you know. <laughs> the, the thing I said, the, the, you know, Ernest goes to jail. I love that part when uh, the two, I think it's the best film with the two brothers. I think they're oh, the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. They kill the, Bobby, yeah. Bobby and, uh, yeah, yeah. They yeah, kill they're the best in that. I love, they're, they're so gun happy. It's so great. Yeah, they're shooting the fucking toes. The, the toes pops up. I, dude, I love, that, that, that always, when the toes pops up and the brother goes, Bobby Burnham, and he's like, "Boom!" <laughs> Classic, yeah. I love, I love how their lawn is a minefield too. And yeah. actually, actually, real, real quick, since we're talking, um, yeah, la- last year I was on tour and I was able to go to Nashville for the very first time. So I went on a little Uber quest, and uh, I was able. I have pictures too. I was able to go to the bank where they shot jail. Oh, it's just a, it's just a regular Bank of America now. But when you look at it, you can tell you're like, whoa, like that's the fucking bank. 
yeah, I yeah. went to the bank and I went to I went to Ernest's house where they where they actually shot it. And Bobby Bobby's house is actually like two doors down, or like in the movie, it's like a debt next door, like two doors down. So you see that, and the house, like you could tell it's different, but you like you could feel the energy there. I was like, wow. So the nerd I am, I was like taking pics of like me oh, in the yeah. house, pics of me in the bank and stuff. So <laughs> I was I was able to actually visit. Um, and, and I talked to the owner that was living at the Ernest house, and it was like a young twenty nine year old lady. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, your house is like kind of famous, like semi famous, and. She was like, why? What, what, what's going on here? I was like, yeah, there's a guy named Ernest that was awesome back in the day. He had like Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Scares Stupid, Ernest Saves Christmas. And she was like, I've never heard of it. I was like, wow. So the person that live in Ernest's house don't even know it's Ernest. So it's crazy. If, I, if, if a movie was made in my house, I would have a poster of that movie framed somewhere in the everywhere. house. Everywhere. Even like if I didn't everywhere. like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I worked with a construction worker way back in the day. His name was Daw. He came from Tennessee. I don't know if it's a true story, but he always told me that he went, he was at a friend of his house and uh, next to his friend was this big Tennessee mansion and uh, owned by Jim Varney. And he said every summer he'd throw a bunch of parties. So he said they went over there one time. He described the setup as this. It's just Jim running around, you know, be, you know, you know, hosting with everybody. He said the things he remembered the most is he said uh, in every room there was a TV going with, you know, either the commercials or his movies on it. And he said that everybody was doing coke. And he said that Jim Barney took him and the kid upstairs. And they said he was like, oh, yeah, I got better coke upstairs. And they went upstairs and he had this gigantic bowl of coke in like his bedroom that they were doing. And then they went out in the backyard and people were shooting, um, shooting this gun. And I, he just said the rounds were huge. And he said it was like 30 bucks a round. It was just like, boom, that he's shooting them off into the back of his uh, mansion, which was funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Jim was also really close friends with Robin. Yeah. So as, as much as I love Robin, we know how Robin used to get down. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still my hero. You know, it's like, a, and and if that's, you know, if that's how he get down, hey, I mean, that's probably, you know, probably helped him a little bit with his, uh, you know, more zanier, zanier performances. So, yeah, I don't. I don't give anybody hard times for doing drugs unless they're like bad to people, which both of those, right, both right. of those, yeah, both of those guys were very good to people, which is the key to the whole yeah. thing. You know, we That's talked the on the show. Important thing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's a whole different time too. We've talked about that before where you got these older people on the come up that really, it was a fucking real struggle to get there and fame kind of can happen overnight nowadays. And I think that you find yourself in, um, people don't really respect respect it that much that's why you get people that aren't good to their fans because it was so quick that they're like well i didn't have to work for this but the older people had to work for it so they appreciate every single fan that comes along you know what i mean absolutely absolutely i think that's the main ingredient is uh and even i always say this too i'm like hey if you just finish the show and you're on a rush and you know you have somewhere to go but you have all these fans waiting for you you know, explain it to them. You'll get their respect. Like, hey, you know, I'm in a rush. Just communication. That's all. Because we often see it where everybody gets cold cocked. You know, an entertainer finishes their thing and just boom, that's it. And like people are like screaming their name. Where are you going? Where are you going? You know, like we see it all the time. But 
always respect the ones that like that communicate with their supporters because right. that's that's the thing to me it's like hey you know if if you're having a bad day someone comes up to you like hey can i have the you know yada yada autograph picture just tell them like hey man i'm having a bad day this is what i'm going through like you know i usually would and they'll, you'll get their respect because you talk to them Damn. You know, like, like you, you just talk to them. They're like, hey, he stopped and actually had a moment to talk to me. So I think that's what's important is like uh, I see it a lot, too, like at festivals and shows and film sets and every like actors I've worked with. I've definitely seen it. Where I'm like, damn, you you cold cock the hell out of them. That's fucked up. Like, yeah. damn, like, damn, man, it's just a supporter, you know, so. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's a weird element. I, I'll never fully grasp it because it's like even. Like, I feel everybody here has kind of fucking put in their dues and struggled to get to where they are. And it's like, you, you appreciate it more because, like, you, you know, with it, that overnight success stuff for the birds, man, it's like it catches up with you eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you go when you go through the struggle and when you go through the, uh, uh, I call it character development. Mm. That's all it is. It just makes you better. It makes you more aware of things. It makes you learn more things. It makes you... uh be like, hey, okay, now I know not to go down that road. Now I know not to. I've been here before. Now I'm gonna go this road, like you know, stuff like that. And uh, an example I like that's pretty funny is uh, I want to make movies in the future, so I like watching bad movies. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I know not to do that. Oh, I know not to do that. <laughs> oh, I know not. Oh, they fucked up there. Okay, so I like I love bad movies just to laugh at, but I also watch it because of that too. So. That's just an example I could think of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was good to hear Jim Barney was a good dude. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I was telling you a little bit before, before the show about uh, John Cherry, you know, rest in peace. And uh, there was a time when we were going to do a documentary and we started gathering info and stuff like that. And I was telling you how there was a pi- Ernest the Pirate movie was uh, in development there. They shot enough of it to finish it, but they didn't want to because John said that, you know, he didn't, Jim wasn't looking too great towards the end of it. But there's actually enough. He wore a wig. He was wearing a wig because of the chemo. Um, but there's enough of it that they could actually release it. They just won't do it. And, uh, you know, and I, I recently found out, which I never knew, that there was actually an idea for an Ernest, like a wrestling Ernest movie. I think it was called Wrestling Ernest. Yeah. I, yeah. I did hear about that one. It was around the time of the Attitude Era with WWE. And I guess they were, they turned down the idea of doing it because they were very, you know, they were like raucous at that time. Nowadays, they're real clean cut. They probably would do an Ernest, but, you know, Jim's not here, unfortunately. He was a son of uh, Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. Oh yeah, the son of Ernest. What's his name? Um, Billy something. Clark, the, the, yeah, Billy, like Clark or like not Clark. Uh, I know who you're talking yeah. about because he dresses just like him. Yeah. Someone, someone literally just told me about this like a few weeks ago. Like the, there's a guy who literally is like son of Ernest. He dresses yeah. up and runs around. Yeah. Yeah. When- when I was talking to John about doing that documentary, those are the three. It was the documentary was talked about. He was writing a book at the time, which is out. It's called um, Keeper of the Clown, uh, Mike's Time with Ernest. Good book. And um, that movie, they were actually going to do a Son of Ernest movie. Like, Je- Cherry was involved with it at one point, which I don't know how I feel about that. I mean... Jim was the magic of Ernest, you know what I mean? Nobody can really, That's I don't think you, can, yeah. you can't recreate that. You know what I mean? He was so yeah. lo- and, lovable. And, yeah. And, and I've also heard like, it started off as a joke and as a meme, 
But people seriously started, like, not seriously, but they were really considering John Cena to be earnest. Really? Have you heard about, have you heard about I've that? I've seen like, the picture that he looks yeah, like. The memes, yeah, yeah and, and me and I'm just like, yo, like, like, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. Like, 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 and um, there was like a small community of people that were actually like campaigning for that in a way. They were like, yeah, we'd love to see John Cena as earnest. And I'm like, guys, what the fuck? Like, no, no, like, no, 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 no. Like the son of earnest? Um, I feel half and half about that. I don't think I would have loved it personally, but I'm like, at least the guy, the the son of Ernest guy, at least he has a passion for him. And at least we know that he actually loves Ernest. Yeah. But like John Cena is like, yo, that sounds like a fucking cash grab or that sounds just like a export expo, exploitive, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard about that one, and I was like, nah. Yeah, I I don't think John Cena has the comic chops mm-hmm. to come close to uh, Ernest. I mean, he does have more comic chops than I thought he had. I mean, with the whole peacemaker right. movie, right. I mean, TV right, series, right. Suicide Squad. But I mean, he's st- he's his humor is. He can play a douche, and he knows he's playing a douche, and he can ham it up. Right. But I think that's about as far as his range can go. <laughs> At least that I've seen. Maybe he can do something better, but yeah, I definitely cannot see him pulling off Ernest at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and as like, I don't want to rip on the guy, but if we're talking about acting uh, technical skill... Like Jim is here and John's here. <laughs> like, 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 like technical, technical skill. Like Jim had dramatic chops. He had the comedy chops. He had different levels of comedy. Like, like he had it all. Like Jim, like tech, you know, technically. But yeah, it was just that was something that I was like, please, guys, for the love of God, please don't do that. Please right. don't do that. It would have leaned, and it would have leaned more into comedy. Whereas in the Ernest character is like a lovable goof. Like there's way more than comedy going there. It's very layered. Like you inv- you like that character. Like you invest you invest in Ernest because he's this lovable goof that would help anybody out, even if it's gonna hurt him. And he's gonna you know what I mean? He's just like and it's just the formula I don't think they would use the correct formula with a new Ernest. Right. I think it would strictly be comedy. It'd be a dummy comedy, there'd be really no heart to it. And the fact he was a smaller dude, you know, I think, you know, John Cena couldn't really pull off the heart, I don't think. Right. I like seeing and, it. and 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 the, the the movies that we love like Saves Christmas, yeah. um, uh, Scared Stupid, Jail. These movies, as goofy as they are, there's one or two or three small, subtle emotional moments. Like yeah. like I, I like to bring that up a lot. Like with Scared Stupid, when Rimshot turns into wood, and then at the end, Rimshot you know comes alive. Like that's emotional to me. In Jail. When uh, Ly- uh, when Ernest breaks out, and he's like, Lyle, come on. And Lyle's like, no, nah, I stay. I-, I belong in here. That scene always gets me on an emotional level. Like, like the and Christmas. I mean, come on. Like, Santa's awesome. And Santa's this lovable Santa. And it- that's a mo- so that's why I think I gravitate to them so much. It wasn't just a zany comedy, but there was layers to it. Like you said, there was this subtle layers that are like, wow, like that I loved since I was a kid that I noticed. I was like, wow, that, that part's awesome. But like, like I noticed, I wasn't the zany comedy part, you know. So, th- yeah. So that's that's I, I agree on that too. Even in camp, even in Ernest goes to camp when he does sings that. I sure am glad it's raining. Like I remember yeah, hearing that yeah. as a kid, being like, "Ah, oh, man." Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and that's why 
that's why I love Jim too, because he was he was a complete actor in, in a way. I, I think he was he he had he had a lot of um good fame with Ernest, but I feel like he's still to this day extremely underrated. Sure. He's like 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 I believe yeah, he's like extremely underrated. I think he he had that weird catch twenty two where the Ernest thing blew him up into stardom, but I think it was a hard to get away from. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And when people gave him the opportunity, he always nailed it. Now, speaker of John Cena, did you ever hear John Cena's rap album, hip hop album he did? Yeah, of course, of course, of he, course. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. So, but I, yeah. So, Ghost Riders. Ghost Riders. And the, be, the beats. The beat. So I actually know, if I believe, I want to, I, I believe this is true, but. Bumpy Knuckles or Freddie Fox, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Ghost wrote for John Cena, I believe. I believe he actually wrote for John yeah. Cena on that album, on the Time Is Now album. Yeah. I think so because it makes sense because oh, yeah, he's not. It, it's that, really he's aggressive. Bumpy is in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the greatest wrestling hip hop album of all time is Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Was it Be a Man or whatever that album's called? That's a great album. And I don't know. He had to have been ghostwritten, too. The best part about that is he doesn't swear, but he uses the word retarded, if I remember correctly, <laughs> which is very, like, not now. You know what I mean? It's very an older thing. But, yeah, yeah I'll kick your butt. He said, I'll kick your butt and all that. And then I think he called Hogan retarded or something crazy. It's <laughs> weird. Yeah. But I always like to say that's my favorite wrestling hip-hop record. It's good. It's good. You know, now I know you did, you did a nice, like a tribute video to Jim on your YouTube page. Yeah. And that's why, um, that's why when I made that one, like when I made that tribute, I wanted to showcase all of his work. I wanted to showcase the dramatic work. I wanted to show more of his like, like suspense action. He did a movie called, um, um, it was a small role, but I put it in there. It's i I'm blinking on it right now, but, uh, uh, give me two seconds, two seconds. Yes, no worries. Just so I can get it correct. Uh, I'm totally blinking on it right now, but I put it in there because I was like, hey, like, he, he, he played such a threatening presence in a small amount of time. I was like, wow, this guy, like, he killed that little role. I, I would love uh, to have yeah. seen him play, like, a killer or something, yeah. The, the movie's called The Expert. So, in, in, in The Expert, Jim plays, like, this arms dealer. He plays, like, this arms gun dealer. And he killed it for like really? the seven the seven minutes of screen time he had. You're like, wow, he oblivious, like killed it. So with the tribute, I wanted to just showcase all of his skill. I was like, hey, it's not just the earnest that I love and that a lot of people love, but he's he's a complete actor, like yeah. totally. And I, I even put the deleted scene of Daddy and Them, the one that I was saying where uh, they cut him out, and he was like, he was acting his ass off in the whole cast. And you have you, you had a cast of Billy Bob Thornton and some really great actors, but. Jim in that one scene was literally like like acting his ass off. So it was crazy, but uh, but that you can um for any 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 lovers of Jim, it's uh my Jim Varney tribute. It's on my Fro Fizzle Reviews channel. Hell yeah, go check it out and subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we, we got some Jim Varney in there. You know, very tragic tale, man. I, cancer, I think, got him. Young died like early fifties, I think, which is quite young. He died fifty, I believe. Fifty, yeah. yeah. Very sad, man. I remember when it happened. Very sad, you know. I've seen the last the last couple pictures of him. I think he was at like Toy Story two premiere or something like that, and he was looking. 
he was looking pretty rough. It's, it's, it was sad just to see him looking rough because you love him so much. You know what I mean? So it's like, ah, oh, man, really. Those, those pictures bug me out because I remember seeing those pictures when I was young and I didn't think it was him. Like yeah. I did not, I did not at all. I was like, oh, that's a different guy. You know, I was yeah. like, it said his name, but I was like, oh, maybe there's a different Jim Barney. But yeah, the, the, yeah. I knew he was in Toy Story, but I was like, the coincidence is weird. So. I grew up later and I was like, wow, that's Jim. Like he had the gray hair, he had the hat and he was bald and he had like the, and he just, he looked like a, he kind of looked like an Italian mobster in a way, like a in his bit, last yeah. few days, it was different. I was like, oh, like a di- way different look, but I would have liked to see him in a movie with that look like that, like th- that gray hair and the hat, like that was, he could have killed that, you know, but. Oh yeah. Like a nice, yeah. I want to see that one with, as him as the Gunsdaler. I've never seen that one. And and honestly, yeah. you don't need you don't need to watch the whole movie because it's not a it's not great. Right. But um, the scene is on YouTube. You can look at you can look up the Jim Barney scene like on the expert. It, it, his his scenes up there, and it's great. His scene is great. He's super duper. Yeah, I think he really got burdened by the Ernest thing and the commercial thing because that's what they came up doing. You know, doing commercials, and it just started. I read the book, and it was. You know, they, the commercials were big, and they were like, let's just make a movie. And they got the money, and it went, blew up huge, you know what I mean? Very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Um, all right, well, let's pop back into the hip-hop. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, you know, R.A., we'll bring up R.A. Of course, you were a big fan of R.A. beforehand. And when, yeah. you, found, when you found out he, he was doing this contest, what, at, the, at that point, how things start rolling out? Oh, I mean – Shoot. So long story short. Yeah. It was, uh, I had my, my birthday's August 29th. So I had put in my entry for the, uh, for his contest on the 28th, the day before I put it out in the air. And on September 6th, the week after I got in a bad car accident and I was, I was in the hospital for three days. And on like, I believe on the third day, like right before I was like, they were discharging me. I was getting all these comments on uh, my Facebook at the time and people were tagging me. They were like, yo, yo, J- James or Fro, but they're both, I was going by Fro then too, but they were like, yo, yo, Fro, um, uh, RA just posted your song. He just posted your track. And I was like, well, I was like, word. I was like, cause he hadn't posted anybody's track yet at, at that time. So I was like, oh shit, where'd he post? So they were like, and uh, the caption said, it's going to be really hard to beat this kid. Cause he's like, he's, I say 16 at the time, but I turned, 17 as like a like a borderline yeah. so I, so uh i posted it i said yo art thank you i appreciate the post i i, I love you i'm a big big fan i appreciate thank you and he's like yo uh where are you at in the world where where are you where are you staying at i was like i'm in at the time i was like i'm in orange county california which isn't too far from here but that's oc like yeah. i'm born and raised la but i also went to school in oc so basically california southern california so um uh, and he's like, yo, I'm going to, I want to fly out there. Let's meet up. And this was before the contest was done. He's like, Hey, I want, uh, let's meet up. I want, let's talk and let's talk about the music. So we meet up, uh, in, in, uh, Hollywood of all places, actually, that's pretty funny. So Hollywood <laughs> and, uh, we do two freestyle videos. And, um, after we do those two, he's like, Hey, I'm thinking about signing you. I want to actually like, like, you know, help you with your music and do shows. And this was like on, this was really new to me because I was a kid in the room, uh, making my own music, like off YouTube beats and Wu Tang beats, Gangstar beats. And I was kind of doing my own thing. And, and, uh, so he, so 
when after that, when we met up and the thing started rolling, he was taking me around the world to Europe doing shows in Germany and France and Switzerland and, and all these, and all these different places. And I, I was mind blown because I'm just a kid in the room. Like, like I never really traveled that much at all, really. So I was like, this, this is insane to me. So it was a whole new world. Um, he took me under his wing basically. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and, and I remember the one of the cool, besides that change, changing how I, my lifestyle, he also, uh, he was like, yo, give me a list of your favorite rappers and your favorite producers. And I was like, okay, cool. No problem. So I put them all there. Uh, premiere was at the top of my producers. Uh, doom Sean price was at the top of my MCs. So he was like, yo, he looked at the paper. He's like, I can get about 70 for, uh, 75% of these uh, guys. I was like, what? I was like, if you just get one of them, that's crazy. Like, I'm like, you just get one of them. That's amazing to me. So there was a whole week, like at the very start, he took me to New York while I was like hanging out with him for a good minute. And he took me to New York. It was a whole week straight. So Monday was, uh, I had Sadat X on my list. So Sadat's there. Drez is there from Black Sheep. Then Tuesday is Lord Finesse. Then Wednesday is Feral Monch. Then Thursday, you know, is Pete Rock. Then Friday was Premiere. So all in one week, like my mind would like literally completely blown. It was like a hip hop fans, like dream, an ultimate dream, right? Old ultimate dream. And, um, and then later what blew me away, he actually said uh, a couple of years ago, he was like, yo, Fro, like, honestly, it's also your talent too. Like, like, like they listen to you and they, you know, they reach back out. Usually they, you know, they don't do that too often, you know? Yeah. So they were like, yo, they reach back out, they're interested and they wanted to meet up with you. So, so it was just mind blowing to me. Like, like the fact, you know, and uh, there's this video of me meeting premiere yeah. and I'm, I'm on YouTube and I'm literally mind blown. Like, like I'm not even there right there. I'm just like, completely like astounded because if you if you ask 15 or 14 year old fro like hey would you ever think you'd be working with your favorite mcs and producers like your guys you look up to and i'm like nah you know <laughs> i don't think so i'm just <laughs> you know i'm just you know i'm just the guy in the room i'm just working on the music you know i'm just, you know it's all good I, I love their music it's all good but the fact that i actually get to work with them now and i've, I've worked with them through the years is uh it's it's definitely mind-blowing it's life-changing man and and yeah. and best way so well you deserve it dude you're super dope i'm i'm Thank glad you, you know welcome and i'm glad to see you and ra linked up for anybody that out there that ra ra the rugged man you know check, he's also been shout him out. yeah he shout out shout ra out bro uh he, you know hip-hop mc as well as you know he dabbles in the films too i remember he co-wrote bad biology with a frank henenlotter yeah um, which yeah. is a fun film and uh Hannon Lauder did his did a music video for him for Bloodshed Hua. That yeah. not a lot of people know about that, but it's always yeah. I always tell horror fans, I go, You gotta check out this video. Uh it's very Hannon Lauder and very RA in the same Very grimy, yeah. Very, yeah. very grimy. Yeah. I remember back in two thousand seven to like 2009 or so, I was shooting a lot of hip hop shows out of the city. And one of the people that I got to shoot for was RA. Cause when people were coming through, I would like hit them up on social media and be like, Hey, you want me to shoot your show for you? And RA is real cool. He's like, yeah, sure. Come on down. And at the time he was shooting at the time he was shooting uh, a documentary called God take God give. I don't know if you remember that about his father's staff sergeant, John A. Thorburn. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I, sh I shot the show for him. 
at the end, I, RA came up, gave me a big hug, which was great. You know, dude, you know, MC, you usually don't catch MC giving you a hug, dude. Everybody's all tough and shit. You know what I mean? No one's ever given up. So you're showing love. And I remember after the show, it was me and his dad, which I always, I'm like honored to be able to have this experience. And it was me and his dad stood in the back of the room while he maneuvered through the crowd, meeting his fans. And I remember his dad just telling me, I'm so fucking proud of him. And it was like, it warms my heart, dude. Like today, I get goosebumps just talking about it. Because like the acceptance, you know, getting that parental acceptance from, you know, your parent being able to see that you're doing good and you're accomplishing your dreams is such a beautiful thing. It was really a special moment that I got to be there for. And RA, I bet a fan ever said, you know, before that, but like, yeah, RA is the shit. Um, that's cool. You guys looking up was great. I know you brought up Doom too. Rest in peace. You know, d- d- rest in peace, John A. Thorborn. Oh yeah. Before we go, I was gonna say I wanted to show the tattoo. So I actually have John A. Thorburn right wow. here. Oop. I did. And it's a it's a double meaning for his son as well for R. A. Son. And yeah, then Ella yeah. Ella is his daughter. So I have yeah. his daughter right here, and then I have John. Yeah. So definitely. Wow. Shout out, shout out. Shout out for sure. I got. I also got to shoot a video for, uh, not a video, but a show, a little bit of a show for Sean Price, which is fucking, Sean Price is godly, dude. Like, so fucking sad when he passed, dude. That was, like, yeah. horrifying. Yeah, I know you got the Sean P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, Sean P., you know, he's always a jokester. I met, I met him real quick, shook his hand and all that, gave respect. He was nice to me. Um. That was a. I know you're a big fan. That was a devastating loss. And Doom, you're a big fan of Doom. MF Doom's the shit too. Yeah. Fucking super dope, dude. Um, so so fucking. That was a rough year. That was like almost. Oh. No, he, they were a couple years apart, actually. I think. So yeah. so P with P. Um, P was at the top of my list, and I'm always grateful for R. A. to make that happen. Like I got to spend time with P for a day, Word. and it's one, one of my favorite days of all time. Like, well, I'll try to make a long story short, but uh. Me and R.A., we picked him up in a taxi at his place in Brownsville. And immediately, like, like P was a character, like, P was a character in the best way. He was, like, he had me cracking on, like, laughing on the floor, like, immediately. So he's getting in a fight with the African cab driver because they're going back and forth. Da, 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 my friend, my friend, you have to go. So we have to switch taxis to, to go to the studio. So we go from Brooklyn to Queens. And uh, I got to spend the day with P at his studio, and uh, and it was just a, it was the most it was the most beautiful but bittersweet thing too because um, we were supposed to link up. Uh, we 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 hung out on a Wednesday, and then he was like, "Yo, let's link up again on Friday," you know, and she was good. I was like, "No problem." So uh, two weeks later, he passed away. So so it was like it was it was and the energy was really was really bittersweet too when I saw him because I was just fanned out. I was like, yo, this is P, this is P. I was trying to keep my cool, obviously, but it's obviously like one of my favorite MCs of all time ever, like my top five ever. And uh and and when people ask me who's your favorite MC, I teeter totter between RA and P now. Like yeah. RA and Sean P. Like they're my they're 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 almost a tie for my favorite MC ever. And uh so getting able to uh, hang out with him and just how cool he was. He was, he was also hilarious, but he also had a down to earth element to him too. You know, that was, uh, you know, in the skits, we see how just, um, uh, what's a good word for it? How, uh, what's a good word? I'm blanking out right now, but um, uh, we see how, 
Comical? Yeah, yeah. Comical and um, no fucks given attitude. Right. You know, like the no fuck, we see the no fucks given attitude with yeah. P. And it was amazing, but get, getting to spend time with them, I also got to see the down to earth element too. Well, I was like, wow, he's actually, P's actually a really good fucking dude, like a real great dude. And uh, yeah, man, and I don't want to say too much, but, uh, you know, I, it was it was a great you know it was a great time with P and uh, in the future you know uh, you know uh, be able to hear P again soon you know so that's that's cool Word up. yeah 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 that was, yeah I remember just being I think the whole hip hop community was fucking devastated that day when that came out it was just wow because he really is dude like the best he fucking is the way just the way he raps. And the references he pulls in and shit, I think every, like everybody can get entertainment out of the shit he was saying, you know what I mean? Very tragic shit. Um, let me see here. We got, um, you know, now when you collaborate, so, yeah. Sean, Sean P might've been the hip hop Jim Varney. Oh. Like Sean, P, Sean P might've been the black hip hop Jim Varney because <laughs> Sean P also did have like, um, like a small dramatic thing to him too, you know, that, you know, like he wasn't often to showcase. So we're known for his comedic talent, but he does also have a seriousness to him too. So I can see the similarities between that. Like, like Sean P could be a, like a hip hop Jim Varney. Yeah. 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 Definitely- They're both my heroes. They're both my heroes. So. For sure. For sure. You know, when you, the, you know, it's a blessing, I guess, to be able to, you know, break bread or get down with, with, you know, with features, you know, a lot of nowadays, a lot of features are just through email, you know what I mean? So right. it's good to be able to sit down with them. You know, uh, I know you also got the feature uh, on the Jedi mind tricks album, which was really cool with Vinny, Vinny Paz, of course. And God told Kane. That was my first official, um, first official feature. Yeah, if I if I believe in, and that was the first time that I ever seen my name on a vinyl, ever. Yeah, Jedi Mind Tricks. I remember I grabbed the CD from Best Buy. My mom and dad took me. They were like, "Hey, let's go." You know, I was like, "Let's go grab the Jedi Mind Tricks album." It was in Best Buy. Got the CD and I got the vinyl, and I looked on it and it said "Future and Afro," and my mind was blown. Right. I was like, first time I ever seen that on a vinyl." Yeah. Have you have you gotten down with Vinny? You guys did the was there a video for that? No, we never did a video okay. film. Have you got yeah. down with Vinny? Have you, you you've met Vinny in person? Yeah, absolutely. A couple times. A couple times. Uh, um, Vinny, that's like family to me. You know, like Vinny's yeah. really, yeah, yeah. Vinny uh, gotten to do a couple shows with him through the years. I might have met him a good maybe four times through the years. But um, uh, we actually, uh, we hung out in Philadelphia um, at Vinny's place at his studio for a little bit. We Where didn't... I don't remember. Yeah, we didn't record the song there, but we did hang out at the Philly at the Philly studio. Yeah, Vinny is one of those dudes that I feel like to, if you know him, meet him. Probably a sweetheart of a person, and then you have the music, which is I'm just gonna punch <laughs> my fucking face. You know what I mean? Um, I've like I've shot a lot of hip hop shows and rock shows and stuff. I met artists, and I've noticed that the the artists that are the most aggressive in their music are usually the most calmest people in in life because they get all that out in their music you know what i mean like like necro and uh you know i met uh one of the singers of blood for blood which is a big hardcore band that's you know very punch you in the facey but they're like very calm and you know what i mean um 
Yeah, Vinny is cool. I like Vinny. I've seen Vinny at the out of all the artists that came through that I I wanted to shoot shows for. I never got a chance to shoot a show for Vinny or Jedi Mind Tricks, but I got to see him. Me and Alex did the Gathering of the Juggalos in 2019. We we uh, had a booth there selling our movies, and uh, Jedi Mind Tricks was there, so it kind of came full circle, which was kind of cool because I could at least see him. Because for whatever reason. Jedi Mind Tricks never, we did like, I shot a lot in the Middle East, uh, in Cambridge and Harper's Ferry. And Jedi Mind Tricks always went to like bigger venues. It was weird. It was a weird deal. Uh, they, I guess they've always, I don't know. They, I don't know if they were bigger artists because others bigger, like bigger artists supposedly, you know, than them would go to the Middle East, but it's all booking stuff, I think, and that yeah. whole deal. Whoever's booking your concerts. Right. How'd the, um, the Afro Polo project come up? Oh, so so Marco was actually on my list of producers I wanted to work with. And, um, yeah, and R.A. was like, yeah, I work personally with, with Marco. I got you. So we linked up, and we actually made, like, a majority of Afro Polo together in, in Brooklyn uh, together at, at, at Marco's spot. Uh, one or two songs, I believe, uh, I recorded on my own at the time at, uh, and, and here in, in California, but a majority of that was with Marco. And... Uh, that was really cool, man. I mean, like my favorite beat on the project is Joe Jackson, and I remember like the uh, just a cool little, little cool little moment was it took it took five uh, every time you had to walk five flights of stairs to get the Marcos, like five floors. So you have to <laughs> all the way up, and you get tired by the time you get to the top. Yeah. So it's a workout. So um, I'm hearing the beat playing like on the third floor. He has his music blasting. He has his music like blasting. And uh, I'm hearing the beat, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, yo, that beat, whoever he's making that for is ill. And uh, and I, I, I get in there, and he was like, yo. I was like, yo, whose beat is that for? He was like, yo, I'm, I'm just making it. I was like, yo, that's mine. I, I need it, please. I need that one. So uh, Joe Jackson was like a little cool moment because it was kind of euphoric how I was just walking up the staircase, and you can hear the beat through the walls on, like, the third floor. So it was, it was just a little cool moment where I was like, wow, that, like, that, that beat was like almost like destiny in a way, you know, yeah. it, it was really cool. But, but working with Marco was really cool. Shout out Marco. That's family to me too. He's a really good dude. Um, I got in a tour around the world with him a couple of times too. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Like around Canada and Europe. And so, so yeah, one of my partners and partners in uh rhyme or partners in crime and hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Go everybody. Go grab that album. I know it's on Amazon. That's where yeah. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Afro Polo, the, Got the vinyls out. I think the CDs are out too. And, uh, yeah, pretty much on the net. And I know you're working right now on like the first debut full album. Yes. That coming. Yes, man. Oh, man. It's been years in the making, but, uh, I feel really good, man. We got the album cover. We got, we got it fully mixed. All the songs are turned in. Um, a couple features, you know, took a little bit longer than usual, but I was, I was more than happy to wait. You know, I was like, yo, no problem. Cause I, cause I love them. So, uh, um, I'm really excited, man. I mean, we're working on the only thing we need to nail right now is a release date. That's the only thing It's just figuring me and the label figuring out when we're going to put this out, but I'm really strongly, strongly pushing for this year, like last quarter, last quarter, last quarter this year. And, um, oh, and since that, uh, I got the first music video single coming out this Wednesday on the seventh. It's for, I dropped the single already at a good morning fro. Uh, we're going to release the video for it this Wednesday. And that and, good uh, morning, yeah, good morning froze on your YouTube page right now. Everybody check that out too. And you, the brother. video, hit the video, hit the thank video. You. Thank Give you. Give the thank video you. the hits more. Yeah, 
um, when, so yeah, this will be coming out soon. Um, maybe Monday. Hawk, what do you think? No? When's the next? When's the other? Uh, when's, uh, we had Peter Jason on the show recently. He, he's dropping this from like They Live and a bunch of John Carpenter and Walter Hill films. Yeah, uh, Peter Jason would drop in actually on the 12th. Okay. So what, by the time you guys hear this, you can go check that video out. <laughs> you know thank what I mean? For you. sure. Thank um, you. And it's the if anybody's wondering, it's the it's the YouTube channel because there's a couple afros out there. Uh, my YouTube channel is the afro with the dashes. It's a dash f dash r dash o. Okay. And, and then yeah, and then if you uh, I, I I do the movie reviews on my fro thizzle reviews, but I also started up uh, a new uh, beat channel. I also make beats. So if anybody wants to listen to some fro beats, I'm kind of I'm getting. I'm getting the movie reviews and the B channel off the ground, uh, but uh, but yeah, they're definitely there to look forward to. Yeah. So, and you know, we'll talk a little bit about film. I know you've done some acting and some, you know, filmmaking and, you know, done some shorts, you know what I mean? Um, you know, who do you, as a filmmaker, where do you think your biggest influences pull from? Oh, man, I mean, shit. <laughs> I would say... I'm, well, my favorite filmmaker is Romero. Hell but, yeah! But I'm still, I'm still, um, there's still a fuck ton that I have to learn. I'm still in the very amateur process of filmmaking, and uh, I humbly say that because you know I, I know my weaknesses, you know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, definitely, but um, but I would say my favorite filmmaker is Romero, and uh, but as far as like me trying to like have like my use in angles and stuff like that, I really love Spike Lee's early work for his camera work and his, uh, like the dolly shots and stuff yeah. like that. I always loved that as a kid. So I can definitely see me in the future kind of like being influenced by some Spike Lee camera work. And, um, and strangely, I, I love a lot of the, the OG, it, it, they're a little goofy, but I love it. The OG Westerns and, uh, um, a lot of the Lucio Fulci close-ups on the eyes and, uh, I love stuff like that too. It, I can see how people would think it's a little cheesy, but I, I like it. I think it has a nice, a nice little energy, to, a life funny uh, energy to it. Yeah. So I, I, I like those uh, Western fast close ups where it's like, you know, like that. I, I love shit like that. So yeah, you got it's yeah. like the, this, every, it's like Sergio Leone was like kind of the master of it. And then they had like the spaghetti Western, everybody exploitation Westerns that came right. in type deal. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. And Leone, definitely Leone's uh, one of the top people I would like, come, like think of off the top of my head. Like definitely like one of the greatest ever. He really is. You know, he yeah, doesn't. Yeah. One, of the, yeah. one of the best. He's been gone so long that unfortunately people, you know, want, you know, with time, people stop appreciating you, but he really is like one of the best there ever was. You know what I mean? Well, I gotta say, I mean, when, when it comes to uh film, especially, um, if uh, if you're starting out, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that uh, none of us have, have have millions upon millions of dollars to speak to, for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself. But I I always tell people that you, you gotta you gotta go back to like the the 40s, the 30s. That uh, you know, right, right. yeah, get 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 there because the great thing about those films is the fact that they didn't have any special effects. Right and. And the fact is that the ones they did that you can easily do yourself. And it always focused more on story. So I always tell people, if you want to get into film and all that, 
start simple. You know, grab some like films uh, that uh, that are based off of plays. So that gives you a uh, easier framework to work with, and then build upon that. And I mean, heck, uh, you watch like Twelve Angry Men. You know that film. You got twelve extremely talented actors in one room, and you know the close-ups and all that. It's one of those films where there's like no like physical action. No one's beating each other up, right, but right. the camera itself becomes so much of the action mm. and and builds on the claustrophobic of that room. That I I always tell people that you want to do any film like you gotta watch that film because that's when the action is the camera itself. It's an incredible film. Incredible. Oh, yeah. I, I just recently rewatched uh the OG Frankenstein, um, yeah. 1931. Yeah. And I, I was watching it and I was like, hey, like the electricity parts and stuff like that. I was like, wow, how they were able to pull that off for 1931. I was like, that's pretty sick. Like I, I was thinking that while I was re- recently rewatching it, I was like how they're pulling off the little effects and everything is crazy. Like no CGI. Because if, if you watch a movie nowadays and there's electricity, it's 90% of the time going to be CGI nowadays, yeah. which sucks. It's like, like it's so it's kind of cheaper to go to Frankenstein route and just do modernize it and just do practical, do practical stuff. And it looks better. It looks so much. I better. I agree. I agree. I agree. I'm a. I hate CGI. I'm a, I'm a. When it comes to I'm a blood and gore guy in movies. So when I see CGI blood and guts, it, it really throws me off. I'm not a fan. So I love the the reason why I love a big reason why I love the thing John Carpenter is because of the, the practical effects. Like it's fucking phenomenal. Like. I think those effects are like ten out of ten. Like, like oh, it's like incredible. Like, like, like how they're able to do that and just top everything that's like come out damn near since. Like, damn near. Like, especially nowadays, it's like wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. The effects in the thing are like so effective. They're like crazy. It, nothing can really compete with them. It's crazy. Nothing. It's it's an insanity. As a kid, like like the spider fucked me up. As a kid, the spider yeah. head, yeah, and then yeah. the, and then when the chest opens up, the famous scene, and yeah. like that shit fucked me up. And then yeah. uh, and then yeah, like so. And then when the head starts ripping off, like it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. crazy. Like so, and and the dogs, the fucking dog scene is crazy. Like yeah. those effects are amazing, man. It's a masterful film, man. We're trying to get Carpenter on here. <laughs> we we just had one of his friends on. It was funny because I go. I'll not, you know, Alex liked this part. We were talking, he brought up Carpenter. I'm like, I'm a huge Carpenter fan. And he goes, well, John Carpenter is a big Matt Fisher fan. And like, I froze, dude. And I never freeze, but I was like, my mind fucking blew apart. When he, and I know it was a lie. You know what I mean? But I was, my mind fucking annihilated. It was like, honestly, that was, that was uh, Matt's uh, biggest like uh, fan moment ever, you know? I, I, he looked like a deer caught in the headlights. I, pr- I pride myself with being able to keep try and keep it going without breaks. You know what I mean? And then, like, I was just like, I had no idea what to say at that point. I was just blown <laughs> away. You know what I mean? How did you get involved in the breaks? Oh, so I was working with um, DJ Premier at the time, and uh, we were working on music. And his man, um, his manager knew that I love movies and had an interest in acting. So he was like, Hey, uh, there's a show called the breaks. It's a VH one, um, VH one production. Uh, we have DJ, we have Primo working on the music. He's going to be the music supervisor and, and the composer. 
So, and uh, he was like, hey, if you want an audition, I'll get you. I was like, absolutely. So he got me to audition, but I had to go through three rounds of auditioning. Uh, the first time was just a simple uh, script read. Uh, the second time, I believe, was a chemistry test and then with other actors. And it was crazy because I was seeing actors I watched as a kid, like Mark John Jeffries and like different actors that I just knew because I was a nerd. I was like, oh, yo, that's that's homie. Like, what? He's here? And yeah. it was crazy seeing that they didn't make the show. So I was like, what the fuck? I was like, those are like guys that are way better actors than me. So I was yeah. like, that it tripped me out. So uh, uh, the second one was a chemistry test. And then the third one was final. And I was originally reading for the bad guy role, the guy with the scar on his face. I, I was reading for his role, the bad guy. Or not really bad guy, but the the, the intimidating guy. The misunderstood the guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, they were like, hey, we're not sure if you fit for this role, but we have a role called D-Rome that uh, we we see you as and we'd like you to read. So the first time was uh, was the scar guy uh, one. Second time was a chemistry test. And then the third one was D-Rome. And then I landed that one. They were like, yeah, you're D-Rome. So I was like, well, so I, I was just grateful to pretty much get any role that was a speaking role. You know, I, I like it, I could be, I'm happy being the seventh uh, build casted guy. I'm happy being, you know, just as long as I have a speaking role. And, um, and you know, it's less pressure for me being the first or third guy because it's way more lines and way more, you know, attention on the spot. So I like, I, I'm with that one, I'm super grateful with the role I got because it wasn't like a small role, but it wasn't a big role either. It was like, a good, it was a good role for me and it was a good way to build myself up, like to learn. Cause I was on the film set. Like we, we shot the breaks for like a good, cause we did the TV show and then they picked, I mean, we did the uh, TV movie, movie yeah. and then, and then they picked us up for the TV show. So um, the, the movie lasted like, I'm going to say a good two or three weeks. Uh, shooting shooting on set and then the tv show was like probably the same a good two or three weeks so i was just i was just being a nerd like i'm quiet in the background i'm looking at the camera operators i'm looking at this guy the grip i'm asking like hey you know what's your job what do you do you know i'm just being that guy but like in a cool way like i'm just trying to you know and they were cool they're like yeah you know i do this i do this so it was it's just uh i took the breaks as like a good not like a good learning thing too for me yeah you know, sponge it up type deal. A lot of that is it, you know what I mean? Just getting on there and you get to work on bigger crews and bigger, you know, with bigger folks and stuff. And you got to kind of soak it all in, you know what I mean? Like Ryan Gosling years ago directed his first movie, Lost River. Yeah, Lost River. And yeah. it had huge Nicholas Winding reference, like feel to it because he just came out of doing those movies with them. Um, Drive and Only God Only Forgives, God which which are masterpiece films. You know, I really love Reffin a lot. I think he's great. And I even like Ryan Gosling, even though he's a pretty boy, I still like him. He's a talented dude. You know what I mean? Now I know that you and Jim Varney share the same pain in one, in one aspect. You have both wound up on the cutting room floor. Oh, yes. Now you were a part of, uh, you were arcade in good times. Yes. Yes. Coffee brothers. I think it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Actually, I filmed the scene for Good Time. It was me. It was my uh, friend Scrooge. We shot in Long Island in New York. We were in Long Island. And uh, and I was going to be well, like, you can see, I'm not in the movie, but you can see what my scene would have been. Yeah. It's, it's where the guy's in the back seat and he's like flashing back. And like, you can see an arcade tiny bit. You can see like an arcade. 
And uh, we actually shot a scene there, like, all right, action, and we're just shooting like guns at like the games and the and the and the and the arcade games. So I would have been one of the guys at the arcade, just like having fun. But uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I got cut at a good time. But it's, you know, it's all love because I have that story, which is pretty cool too. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, I would have been in good times. So. Yeah. I, good time was the first time they kind of popped on my radar and uh you know it was the return of what robert Patters- patterson that's his yeah, name right? yeah yeah and I, you know he's like um he kind of fits into that category of like those there's a couple younger actors that kind of blew up quick the same thing with the harry potter kid where they, they blew did, up right. and they did those monster movie monster huge movies and then they disappeared for a little bit but they came back doing independent stuff which right. is like the best route to take i feel yeah did you get to work with Benny and Josh? Get a vibe for them at all when they were directing a uh, good time? I believe they weren't they, I believe it was probably the second camera operator or somebody else that was like helping like a major help with the production I was supervising. Because yeah. looking looking back, I don't believe I don't remember seeing um those guys, Josh or Benny. I don't remember seeing those guys. But uh I, I remember like someone else like taking control of the of the, the shoot for that scene. I, I believe, I believe. I could I could be wrong, but I, I can't remember because I know how they look. I can't remember those guys at the set. Yeah, yeah they're very dis- they have a very distinct look for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the one guy has like the long hair and the beard, and then the other ones, the, the one in the movie, clean shaven. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the um, they're blo- they fucking blow up to a whole new level now. They're probably top five filmmakers doing movies. Period. Right now, which is kind of cool. You know, the uncut gems was a lot I've, of fun. I love uncut gems. Yeah. Love on Cut. I thought like I thought Good Time was a decent film. Yeah. I had my I had my problems with it, but I think Uncut Gems is like nearly a perfect film. Like I love, love, love Uncut Gems. I, I, I think agree. my in my opinion personally, I think it's Adam's best performance ever. Like ever. I agree. I remember we did an Oscar episode, uh, and I remember saying how like he was boxed, dude. They, they, they yeah. cheated him heavy on that. He definitely because like Sandler is a, he, you know, he's kind of like Varney. He's known for the comedy stuff. And whenever he branches into dramatic, he always does great, but they never give him respect for it. It's it's underappreciated. And uh, I I 100% agree that he was completely snubbed that year. Like, I'm I'm a fan of Leo. Like, I like Leo and I like Hollywood. I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I was like, yo, like, I thought Adam was, was fucking like, Adam had, like, like, Leo had layers too, but Adam was like, it was so great seeing him transform into something like that, where you're like, whoa, like, and I don't want to spoil, but it's not a happy ending. Like, that's, that's what messed me up. I was like, yo, like, like, that's, this is such like a non Adam Sandler movie in the best way. You know, it's like, wow. Like, that's why I want to see him do like more mob films, like hopefully a Scorsese film or something in the future or something. I would love to see him in that. Like, like I, I think he would kill it. You know? you know, unfortunately or fortunately, I think the only way anybody will give him respect for a dramatic film is with a Scorsese movie or something. Yeah, yeah or something of that caliber. Because Tarantino was going to put him in Inglorious Bastards, but he put Eli Roth instead of, uh, or Adam, Adam went on to film Funny People, at the same time, because Adam was like, hey, I'd love to do it, but I have scheduling conflicts with funny people. So Adam Sandler was going to be the baseball guy. The Donnie, really? Adam yeah, Sandler yeah. was going to be Donnie, the baseball guy. Wow, and, uh, I didn't know that. There's, I, a, you, there's a YouTube video of uh, when the entrance, when you hear the bat on the wall. Yeah. There's a, there's a YouTube video of Adam Sandler's voice, like how it would have been, like, whoo, whoo, whoo. Like, like, so <laughs> it, it's like, funny. Like but, but, uh, honestly... 
I think Adam would have killed that role, man. I think yeah. like Adam would have did his thing because like I, I'm not a huge Eli Roth fan personally. Yeah, that's just me personally. I do like Cabin Fever and I do like Hostel One. Yeah, but um, and and I'm I'm slipping on one other film, but um, Knock Knock was but, pretty good. Yeah, Knock Knock. I got to rewatch. I I kind of uh, I was like in a different headspace on that watch, but um, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think Adam would have did a great job as Donnie. I think he would have killed it. I it, it's. Um, uh, you know, seeing Eli Ross in it, it's kind of hard to envision Adam Sandler. I think he could have wanted, could have done a great job with it. Um, but I never knew that. That's a wild, that's wild casting. Yeah. So like if, damn, if, if Adam was in a Tarantino movie like that, I'm sure he would have gotten way more respect as like a, yeah, like a more dramatic actor. I remember, uh, when him and Paul Thomas Anderson did Punch Drunk Love, I don't think he got any love for that either. And that was a really fucking great movie. You got no love for that film, and I love that. I love Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, great, great movie. No, on you know on Paul Thomas Anderson. The last conversation, last time we had a guest on here, we got into Paul Thomas Anderson, and he's a dude that uh, I'm a huge fan of him. But his last three films, I just kind of missed the mark for me a little bit. You know what I mean? I, I didn't. I didn't see Licorice Pizza. Um, I I think Phantom Thread might have flew over my head a little bit, but I wasn't. I love Daniel Day Lewis, and I, and I do like Anderson, but I I think Phantom Thread wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and then what was the one Inherent Vice? Inherent Vice. Yeah. 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 That one I think I wanted to love just a little bit more, in my opinion. I yeah. I remember like. I remember like right before, like we got, I worked with Eric Roberts right after the dark night and right before the inherent vice movie. And I was so excited because I go, Oh shit, he's going from us to a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. So I had a lot of high hopes for it. And then I watched it and I was like, ah, well, I mean, but yeah, inherent vice phantom thread and licorice pizza, which everybody was saying was great, dude. Yeah, People love licorice pizza. I haven't seen it. I I have a, I have the screener because I'm in SAG and SAG sends you the screeners and stuff. I I still have licorice pizza, but I have so many movies on my watch list. So I'm like, I'm going to get to it eventually, but I I wasn't running to, uh, I wasn't running to see licorice pizza. It's, uh, it's on Amazon now. And I watched it and I was like, man, this is like a dud kind of like nothing really happens. It's long and nothing really happens. And I think people from that era will appreciate it. If you grew up in that era, I think it's one of those things. Yeah. But yeah, the Sandman, dude, you know, Uncut Gems, and it's masterful filmmaking because the whole film's t- so fucking suspenseful. Yeah, it's like, like claustrophobic. Super, really yeah, super duper, dude. Like once they start bearing down on him, you like feel that. You're like, oh shit. And then the ending's ridiculous. And the dude from uh, Talk Radio, what's his name? Uh, Oh um yeah uh I know who you're talking about like Barry no oh, Barry what's his name yeah it's um Eric is Eric, Eric? Bogazian yeah. yeah, Eric yeah. Bogazian you know he was great in it too I thought he was superb in Uncut Gems and it's kind of a you know for anybody out there that hasn't seen it go see it. I think it's on Amazon as well and uh, they're like cousins in it but like you know they're both like his cousins in the mob but he's not, yeah. he's just like a yeah. jeweler and like he owes the mob money and like his cousin tries to help him out a little bit. It's, I like the dynamic of um, like when they go to dinner 
And like you know that there's Oh yeah, 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 and it's tense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and they, they both, you know, yeah, yeah. You know they have beef, but like they keep it civil for like family. I always thought that was a great element too. I love it. that scene. I love that scene. You guys can't tell, but I have a fucking uncut gems poster right here. Yeah, and I have a and I have a big Jim Varney, Ernest Scared Stupid poster right here. So Fuck yeah. yeah. I have a poster. it's blurry, but I have a Day of the Dead poster behind me too. Fuck yeah. 3D coming to 3D in Halloween time. Yeah. And you are you also were on the Jim Fallon show. That that was a big pop. That had to have been a big pop for, at the time for getting a lot of, you know. That was like kind of right after the contest, I think. Was that an RA? Was that kind of an RA connection daily or how no, that no, actually, from what I understand, um, Fallon reached out to us. Fallon, Fallon watched uh, that their team watched a couple of the freestyles that I had. And they were like, hey, we're interested in, uh, in bringing Afro to the show. And uh, yeah, they actually reached out to us, which was I, I didn't I didn't know that until maybe a few years after that I actually performed. Like I didn't I didn't know because uh, RA was ill with it. RA was like. He was great on surprises in the best way. You know, yeah. he'd be like, yo, Fallon wants you on the show. I'm like, what? You know, so the shit like, you know, ill stuff like that. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, later on, I found out that they were like, yeah, they reached, the, you know, they reached out to you. They reached out to us. Word. And so that was pretty cool. But honestly, bro, that day was awesome. Like long story. I have, I have four many stories that I'll try to make short. Like, uh, the first one was the show. We had we had a rehearsal before the show. It was um, th- they were pulling stuff out the box, but it was completely different things. So I was like, the first rehearsal is different stuff. I was like, cool. Um, uh, I do the show, and and I mean, I get to meet Questlove. Questlove comes backstage. He's like, hey, what's uh, what tempo do you want the band to play? I was like, I was like, hey man, I was like, let's try to go for like a chub rock treat him right. Let's go a little fast. <laughs> and then we tried it. We tried it for the rehearsal. And then Quest was like, yeah, is it cool if we go a little slower? I was like, no problem at all. It's all it's all love. It's all so uh we went at the cream tempo at the Wu Tang Cream Tempo. And uh and it was amazing, man. They were really humble. Quest love is like probably fucking he's huge. He's like probably like a bit taller than me. I'm six That's foot so three. Cool. I'm six foot three. He's probably like six foot four, six foot five around there. He's tall. And uh, Black Thought was an incredible experience, bro. Like, I'm backstage. This is a little bit after I, I performed. And I see a couple, like, big bodyguard guys. And then I see, like, I, I don't know why, like, because Black Thought is so incredible with his pen. Like, I thought he would be like a six foot five guy, too. But I look down, and he's probably like a good five, maybe five, six. And that's not... That's like not um, yeah. that's not taking a jab at him at all, at right. all. It's just how it, it surprised me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I looked down and he's just like, "Yo, young man, you nice." I was like, "Oh shit!" Like like my like how you said your mom was blown. That's how I felt. I was like, "Yo, black dog just said I'm nice." Like whoa, like that blew me that blew me away. And uh, two more stories. So um, I I just finished after my after the after not the rehearsal but the final show i just finished i'm walking backstage i have artist doubts so i was like oh i don't know how i did i don't know how i did i was nervous as shit i felt like i was gonna shit myself that's how nervous i was so i'm like i just finished i'm walking backstage and i'm like hey you know i'm just kind of like all right i hope i did good then i i see a, a hand stick out in front of me and, and uh say hey that was good you did a good job and it's jay leno and Jay, oh. like, like, out of nowhere, Jay Leno, he's just like, yeah, that was good. I like that. That was a good job. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Jay Leno, thanks. And he was on the same episode, basically, as a, like, hey, Fallon, you're doing good with my show, basically kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. 
And uh, so, so I was like, wow, that surprised me. That was cool. But the coolest experience besides Black Dot and Quest, MJ too, but uh, Jeff Goldblum, man. Yo, this dude is the coolest motherfucker ever. Like, like I'm backstage. I have my New York, um, my big bro with me, Scrooge. And, and Scrooge, if he wants to, he can get in some shit. Like, he's the help. Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't have a bodyguard, but if I have somebody with me, it's Scrooge. Yeah. And uh, when we saw, Je- like, Jeff Goldblum takes a corner, he looks at us, and he just goes, like, hey, what's up? And me and Scrooge looked at each other, like, ah! We just started fangirling, like, ah! Like, just fanboying, like, going crazy. So um, uh, Jeff Goldblum comes up, and he doesn't know Scrooge from a hole in the wall. He gives Scrooge a big, like, bear hug, yeah, like a yeah. big bear hug. And I was like, yo, this is the coolest dude ever. And we just taking pics with him. And he was just like, hey, man, yeah, he was coolest dude ever, like, out of nowhere. It was like a, like a movie scene, but in a funny way, you know? Yeah. So I didn't expect that. Like, he was like, yeah, really laid back. But so, but yeah, Fallon was a really cool experience just because of everything, like, happening, like, boom, 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 boom. You know, it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Now it's live, right? The show's live. Yeah. It was live, yeah. It was oh, that's going to be super intense, you know. They, oh, I was nervous. I so was like, nervous. Paint, paint me a picture real quick. So, like, you're waiting behind the curtain. Fallon's doing his deal, winding it down, introducing you. And you just pop out there and you do Do they tell you, like, <clears throat> if you get caught up? I mean, you're just, you're just kind of screwed? Or are they able to kind of, if there was an issue, would they be able to bring it back? That's actually cool. You you brought that up. I didn't even think about that. Like we didn't even. They basically said, "Hey, it's live." You know, like like we don't really do mistakes. You know, it's live. We roll through with it. But um, like there wasn't really like a hey, you know, if you screw up, you know, it's live. It was it was more like a hey, we're live. So like I didn't even think about that. Like if they had told me something like that, I would have been even more nervous. If they were like, "Oh, you know, it's live. You can't screw up." You know, like. I would have been shitting bricks, like oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was I was already nervous. So, um, <laughs> but um, it was a cool. It was a cool. Like I can see it. Like now, I was I was behind the curtain. They have TVs, like like TVs backstage of like what's going on there, like live. So I'm just kind of looking. I'm looking there. I'm thinking about when you're at. That was like uh, that was like one of the first big like showcases ever for me. So it was at at that scale. So I was like, I'm thinking about family. I'm thinking about all that stuff. So. Right when they're like, like, I know my cue. They tell you the cue of when you're going to go. So, like, I'm warming up to that cue and I could just feel like all that, like all the, you know, all the nervousness. And I was just like, wow, like, this, that, this, your time to shine kind of thing. So, you know, it's like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Afro. So I walk out and it's boom. You know, it was, it was different than the rehearsal because the rehearsal didn't have people there. You know, it was just like us and, and the team. But uh, when when the show actually pops off, yeah, people are there, people are watching in the crowd and on, you know, at home. So it, it was uh, it was definitely intense. It was intense, yo. Yeah, man, you got a little like three to five hundred people probably in crowd, and then you got millions of people watching at home, dude. That's that's yeah. some, that's that's some tension right there. You know what I mean? But it went off without a hitch. You know it felt I mean? like a it felt like a movie scene too. You know, it felt like a. You know, it was like a very out of body experience in a way, kind of. You know, it's it's it's, but it was. I was still nervous too at the same time. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. So, uh, you know, we're we're coming to an end on this big old discussion interview. You know what I mean? This was a lot of fun, James. Man, you're always welcome back. We'd love to have you on again just to talk film and oh. promote promote projects in the future. 
no problem, man. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love this setup, man. You guys are awesome. Like, like I love, I'm a nerd. I'm a gigantic nerd. So I, I feel very welcome with how the background is right here. Like I'm just like, as soon as I saw the background, I was like, Oh, I'm at home. I'm good. I'm I'm good. You know, so I'm, I'm in, I'm in good hands. So that's why I have it. He does the den. He does the opium den background. I do the uh, the uh, geisha background. Okay, yeah. I got some geisha girls back there. When we're done, I'll go for a nice massage, deep tissue massage. Get me ready for the next interview. <laughs> Fuck yeah! So we'll have everybody will be on the lookout for the new album. And then, uh, where do you want you what the, uh, give the people the YouTube page real quick? They can check out the YouTube page or anywhere you want them to kind of, um, you know, look into you. No problem. Um, so on my YouTube, my main one uh, for my music is Afro with the dashes a dash f dash r dash o. Um, I have the movie review page, and I also do tributes and commentaries and reactions. That one's Fro Dizzle Reviews, T H I double Z L E. Yeah. And uh, I also make beats. That's Fro Dizzle Beats. And um, I have that. I have I have all the all the social platforms. I have the Instagram, the Facebook, uh, the Twitter. Instagram's All Flows Official. Um, I have an IMDb Afro with the dashes. If you want to look for any future uh, productions that I'm going to be um, involved in. Or anything I'm going to be making in the future, and uh, and yeah, that's about it, man. So I can think of oh, and uh, and um, uh, single for the first first video for the first single of the album is this Wednesday on my main Afro YouTube page. Support this man; he is the leader of the generation. Heck yeah! Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll ask you one last question. <clears throat> we usually end with this. <clears throat> get a lot of filmmakers actors musicians comedians authors a bunch of artists that watch the show um and we always like to ask you know for people out there that find themselves in a slump or a dry spot or right. something like that do you have any advice that you would give to them to kind of keep the, their morale up keep them going so how I, this is for me personally um how i try to maintain my focus and how I try to maintain just my level of sanity in this crazy world. Um, I do my best to stay creative and I try to have different things up my sleeve. So if you're sticking on one thing, like a music per se, or if you're sticking on just like one certain talent and you get stuck in that rut, move on to the next one. And that can mean anything, any little thing. Like if you're talented at editing, if you're talented at writing, if you're talented at painting, if you're talented at, you know, um, uh, car engineering in a cool way, or if you want to be a stuntman, or if you want to, like, there's so many lanes and levels of things that I feel like people have in them or hidden talents that they might not, that if they don't find immediately, they eventually will find, you know, and uh, that's how I feel. Like, like me growing up, like slowly but surely, um, I started off just doing like, like I always loved movies, but I always wanted to be a rapper first. I was like acting sure, but I didn't think it was realistic. I was like me, I just want to be my own rapper. And then growing up, you know, I started thinking like, Hey, now I want to seriously pursue the acting. And then I started putting that up my sleeve. And then later on, I didn't think I'd ever make beats. So out of nowhere, that came when I got some inspiration, uh, working with Premiere and working with my favorite producers, 
I got bit by the bug. I was like, wow, now I want to make beats. So I started just having these things up my sleeve. And uh, the more I stay creative, the more sane I feel. Like the more that I can have my hands into things where I can um, uh, get my mind off stuff or, or I can use it towards the, um, the things I'm doing. Like uh, if I'm making a song and I'm, and I'm just have all these raw feelings, I'm going to put it in a song. Or if I have like, if I want to make a statement or if I want to have something that I love or a passion project out there and I have the tools, I'll make a movie or, or I'll write a script or, or, you know, there's so many things that people can do where my, one of my advices is try not to stick at one thing only that way you can bounce back and forth, yeah. you know? And, and I believe that everybody has more than one talent. I believe that people are good at at least like two or three or four things like hidden talents that they will unlock eventually, you know, and uh, to get yourself out of that slump and with how crazy things are, I would say just, you know, just try to focus on yourself as best as you can, your family. Um, and, uh, with me, my, me being creative just helps me out of that slump and it helps me get my mind off things. And I can use that with what the world's going on. I can use that and put it towards what I'm working on as well. You know, I could just utilize it and just, and, and, and use it as a, as a, use it as a crutch or something that I could use, you know? So, so definitely we all, we all have slumps. I don't care how big uh, your success is or how small your success is. Everybody's going to have a slump or everybody is going to have an artist doubt. People can front and act like they're 100% confident all the time, but they're not. Yeah. They're going to be at least maybe 90 or a good 90% confident, which is good, you know, but everybody has artist doubts or everybody has just their doubts in general, yeah. you know? So um, it's, it, and it's good to just, you know, be, um, be human too you know be human like like just be you know uh when you're in a slump you know just you know let people know or put it into what you're working on just like you know make a statement out of it or, or you know if you you know don't keep it all bottled in either you know yeah so that's what i would think that's what i would say yeah never bottle it up art expression you know what i mean that's a, being an artist is expressing yourself so never yeah. stop expressing yourself and i think you'll be pretty cool and and, uh everything you say like every song you make doesn't have to be in the public you know view like like it it always feels good writing it down on a piece of paper and now it's out you're like okay i have it on this piece of paper i feel better about myself that that's at least for me too like if i have raw emotions or i'm just like you know uh if i get in my fuck the world moods or stuff like that you know just put it on a piece of paper or put it in something that you can have not you know not everybody needs to have it you know so there's, there's way. There's definitely ways to just get it off your chest, you know. Have you ever recorded songs that just went into the archive box and not released to the public? All the time. Yeah. All the time. I, I literally have. I call it the fro vault. Yeah. Fro vault. Um, inspired by Prince because Prince yeah. has like thousands and thousands of out like music and projects that are in that vault. So when I heard that story a couple of years ago, that inspired me to just like like organize my vault and I have. I have stuff in my vault that, that people will hear from years from now. You know, like I, I have tons of stuff. And uh, that's why I want to, you know, get this debuted out, get this yeah. debuted out. And, uh, you know, hopefully people appreciate the debut, put a lot of work into it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to it, too. I'm not going to take as long as I did with the second album or the third album. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be a little more steady. But but in the meantime, yeah, I just got to get the get that debuted out, you know. 
And no, nobody should ever get mad at anybody for taking a distance. You can, you can, you can only release it once. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be where you want it to be that one. You know what I mean? And, and I get comments every day, man, for the past like couple of years. Like, for, like at least I wake up to once a day. Uh, where's the album? When's yeah. it dropping? You said you were going to drop it this time. Why didn't you? I was like, damn, bro. Like, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm trying my best, yo. Like, yeah. damn. Like, you know, I'm trying to put the pieces together and the puzzle and make it work for everybody. But, uh, see, see, but that, yeah, yeah. That's when you tell us, okay, where's your album then? How about you drop that, your album? That, that, and that's, then I'll drop my- no, that's when you tell them you want to you want a screen grab of the receipt of them buying that album the day yes. that it comes out if they're going to complain yeah. about it so much. <clears throat> they better support it when it comes out. Sure. It's uh, yeah, I, yeah, that was great advice that you gave. It reminded me. I heard Corey Feldman recently in an interview talk about what he thinks the difference was between why. Corey Haim kind of went in a bad direction and he didn't, even though he kind of did, but he doesn't like talking about his bad direction. Um, but he said that the Haimster, the issue that he had is that he didn't have family in the business. You know what I mean? And when you're in the business, <clears throat> your family will say, okay, yeah, you're going to have a slump. It's kind of why we want, we like asking this question because it's like, yeah, you're gonna get into a slump. It just happens with the business, but people that are outside of the business, when they hit that slump, they go, it's over everything's gone and that's why they'll go bury themselves in drugs and alcohol and all that shit because they don't understand that okay it's tough right now <clears throat> rebuild pull it back you know gear yourself up in a couple of years you'll be back on top again and when you don't know that it's fucking devastating you know what i mean when, when you're in a slump it feels like there's like there's an end there's like there's yeah. no, like like your back your back is against the wall and you feel like it's over so you resort to stuff like that you resort to the hard drugs and you resort to the alcoholism and uh it, it, it's very deadly it's very deadly because you know and, and when when someone is in that slump you know i would never tell anybody how to live their life but i would i would say you know there's another way right. it doesn't have to be that way you know like like it, it doesn't when your back is against the wall and it feels like there's no way out there is a way out and there is a way that you can rebuild yourself up It's yeah. all about like if you if you're caught at a dead end, it's all about restore. Uh, uh, um, it's all about like um like a resurrection in a way, like refixing yourself for your image and coming back strong and and coming back strong for the people because uh you know those slumps are, are brutal. Those slumps are very very brutal. Very it brutal. People. It takes people every day, man. Those slumps. Yeah, very brutal. <clears throat> You know, and and uh, before you mention, I know this is a serious topic, and and my yeah. apologies for this, but no uh, you 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 brought up Corey Feldman, yeah. <laughs> so I am a Corey follower, not in a, I'm not a fan of his music, obviously, but right. I am uh, I'm half and half with him because I appreciate his fight against uh, the sickos in Hollywood. Right. Uh, I, I'm a big supporter of that of that side, but. Corey is also very high on his horse when it comes to the music making and stuff like that. He thinks he's a genius. And this isn't a hit piece on him at all. But uh, if you go on my Fultizzle reviews, I have some reactions to Corey Feldman videos. <laughs> so it's, uh, I have I have ripped on Corey a good amount. But I do, um, at the same time, I do appreciate his stance against Hollywood and the sickos. So, so like as much as I do rip on him a lot, I do have that angle too. So, and I do follow, like there's these guys called the bonfire and stuff like that. Oh, Big J. Yeah. And yeah. That's why you said you, when you said the Hamster, I was like, yo, bonfire. I was like, <laughs> yeah. cause that's what they, they're like. They call them fell dog and Hamster. 
So um, I, I'll be watching those, man. I watch them a lot. Uh, that's me and my close friend actually watch them a lot. <laughs> so it's, it's, I'm glad when you to hear that. Yeah, when you brought that up, I was like, oh, shit, that's funny. You know? <laughs> I'm glad to hear you like the bonfire. We love the bonfire here. Yeah, yeah, they're a, they're a mess in the best way. Like, they're like, they have the best Corey Feldman impression. It's it's the funniest shit ever. You know? like, yeah. We had uh, we had Ralph on the show, Ralph Sutton, who was like does the SDR show with Jay, Big Jay. Is he one of the voices in the back too? He might be. I know that the the bon- he's a he's he, every now and then he'll pop on. They always give him a hard time for looking like Frankenstein because he's like a he's a big tall dude, you know. Uh, and uh, he's really great dude. We had Zach Amico on the show too. His episode hasn't come out yet. But uh, he does, like, uh, real-ass podcast and all that. With Gas Digital's a good deal. I always love hearing people bring up Bonfire because, you know, when it's one of the best podcasting shows out there. They're real fun. They're, it's a good, fun show. And when you said Hamster, that immediately reminded me of Bonfire because that's what, that's what they call them and stuff. So I was like, yo, that's, yeah. that's hilarious. We've been, you know, yeah, we've been trying to get Feldog on the show for fucking a year. We've, t- we've talked to his people. It's it's okay. Don't feel bad because we've given the fell dog some hard times on the show before ourselves. So don't worry about that. Um, yeah, and, and I don't want I don't <laughs> want to uh, I don't want to I don't want to you know put a hit piece on them. But I just recently uh, I know someone very well who knows one of the angels. Oh yeah, and, uh, so so that was pretty pretty trippy. Hearing a little inside scoop on that, I had a little inside scoop on how the tour bus looked like and how like the conditions were. So yeah. I don't want to, sh- I don't want to put a hit piece on Corey, but you know, it's, it's Corey has a lot to him. There's a lot of stuff to him. So it's crazy. He's, I heard he runs his program like a, uh, what is that in third world countries where they get the kids making sweatshop where they get, it's almost like a sweatshop <laughs> formula, but we all love Corey here. We all love the felt dog. Keep yeah. It, keep it. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, at the end of the day, I, I can't lie. Like I don't watch Corey a lot. I do. <laughs> you oh, know, Corey's I do. great. dude. It, it, it's, <laughs> even his, his if you're going to go with his 80 movie, eighties movies alone, he's fantastic. And oh, uh, yeah. you know, absolutely. Corey's another think, dude that, you know, it's his environment. I think he, you know, he kind of came up in a real fucked up situation too. So like you have, you have fame. And then another thing that I think is a huge problem that happens with people is when they have the fame and then they don't have it. I think that's when they truly go crazy. You know what I mean? And no offense to him. He lived a life that none of us can relate to because he was from the age, like eight up. He's been, everybody knows he is, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he felt like, like, that's why I could never take that away from him. Like, uh, I mean, the dude fucking killed Jason when he was like only like <laughs> twelve or like eleven, ten, nine years yeah. old. Like, that's 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 legendary. Yeah. But uh, he has legendary moments. But I mean, that's why I like to make a point too. Like, we're not all perfect. But yeah. the thing that gets me with him is that how high uh, on his horse he is with the music. Right, you know, right. just as far as like him thinking that. I don't want to shit on him too much, but yeah, <laughs> we know what we, yeah, we know. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. He knows, we know, everybody knows, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's a, I think him praising his music up is a gimmick. I think it's something that he doesn't fully believe, but I think that he thinks that if he puts out that persona, that. Well, people- that's, that, that's, that's the thing is like, if he's trolling, then I think he's a genius. 
I think he's a genius. But if he literally thinks that he, you know, he's very talented as far as making the music, then I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, but, but if he's trolling, then I'm like, bro, you're a genius. You're a fucking genius. You know, but yeah, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I think, I think he's trolling a little bit, you know, because the music he plays hasn't even really been relevant for fucking like 20 years. No offense to the dude. You know what I mean? But like realistically, he loves it, which you do what you love, of course, but. He, he does. He thinks that he, tomorrow he's going to be all over. I don't even think radios exist anymore, but he'll be all over like fucking, I don't even know. What is the, for a musician, what your biggest platform is probably what, like Spotify's and iTunes and stuff like that? Honestly, yeah. I mean, like we're in that age now where like we're at the Spotify's and the iTunes and the SoundClouds, Bandcamps and, uh, you know, and it's it's really... It kind of hurts for me because I would like I I did grow up a bit in the CD era, you know. Like I was born in '97, but I was old enough to uh, uh, see CDs and buy CDs and go to the store when a new album was coming out, like and run into the store. So I know that feeling. But um, I wish that we can have that feeling more. Is like I would love for people to migrate back to the CDs and stuff. People are getting vinyls, and people are like vinyls are like a seller. But like I, I miss that that feeling where people are like, "Yo, new album, new album," and you go to the store to grab that CD. Man. I really, I really miss that feeling. But on the flip side, with the streaming, is that you can have a distro kit or you can have one of those platforms, and you can sell your music directly, yeah. and you can directly put your music on by yourself on the Spotify's and iTunes and all that. So that is a little cheat code that I feel is pretty cool. Like you, you are able. It won't be a huge amount of money, but you are able to um, to feed yourself a bit off of the music if you want to, like putting it on your own platforms, you know, and stuff like that. So yeah, like f- the physical media thing is big. We even with buying films and stuff, and it's right, uh, yeah. yeah, right, right, right. I, I, it, that's exactly how I feel with. Going at like a new movie, just like Shaun of the Dead just came out on DVD. I remember being a kid buying the hell out of that DVD multiple times, multiple times. And like every movie I loved coming out as a kid, I bought the DVD, like, like hands down. Or I would have like, mom, can we please get this DVD? And she'd be like, all right, we can get it. So, so I just love that feeling. And, uh, I would have loved to have that feeling with my future kids, but. In the future, it's going to be weird because everything is literally migrating to streaming now. Yeah. You still have your Blu-rays and you still have your Arrowhead uh, collections and stuff like that, or the Arrow collections and, and Scream Factories, but those are like aren't on a big scale. It's like the streamings and the fucking Netflix and uh, Hulu and all that. So yeah. it's pretty trippy that we're in that age now. We're in a new age where everything is literally streaming now. And uh I'm half and half with it because I love physical copies. Like you can't see now, but I, I have a fucking whole Blu-ray. I have yeah. a Blu-ray collection cabinet, and then I have a DVD collection cabinet. So like, I'm a I'm a collector for sure. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's I, I wish we can go more into that age with the, with the DVD. I'm selling like like on on film on copies, but and like even cool. even like Arrow and like sh- like Scream Factory and stuff there. You know, they were kind of like, they were the hubs almost in the last couple of years of you going to buy like a re-released horror movie or something to get it from them. But even they start, they're starting up their own streaming stuff. So I didn't like, know that. I didn't yeah. even know that. Wow. Arrow has a streaming service right now. We did a documentary that was on it. And I think that unfortunately that's the way it's going. But as an artist, 
I know we love physical media, but as an artist, is it just a way easier to do digital because you can, you don't have to go to a store, you don't have to press up CDs or vinyl. There's got to be more money in it now because you don't have much money going out to prepare for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty. It's uh, I'm still learning as an artist too. Yeah. You know, I'm still I'm still having my feet into this thing and trying to figure out how. I'm going to do this in the future too. Like how I'm going to be pushing my music and how I'm going to be putting out my albums because growing up, I always wanted to see like my album in stores. Like, Oh, I'm going to the store, grab the CD. And uh, it's not too late for that, but it's a, uh, it's, it's still a trip. You know, it's like, damn, like that's, I always had that idea as a kid and that image. I was able to do that with the Jedi mind tricks album, but, uh, but you know, like as far as like, you know, Afro CD, you know, so. Probably, we'll probably see it in Amoeba and stuff like that, but probably like on a big scale, like the stores that we we know and shit like that. You know? Like the Die Hard, you know, Amoeba is almost like a glorified mom and pop shop, realistically, right? Because it's only a couple of them. Isn't yeah. there like one That's or two? I understand, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like Amoeba is awesome, but like there's only yeah, from what I understand, there's only a couple of them. Yeah. And those are really the last. We got like a new break comics out this way, and it, it, you know it's t- slowly turning into just selling action figures and t-shirts. Like that's pretty much what's taking over. And then CDs are dying out. Records are huge. I guess like last year, or the year before was the first time that records outsold CDs in like twenty years or whatever. But it's like it's for the people that want physical media. I mean. Uh, getting a record's way cooler than opening up a CD, you know what I mean? I agree. I yeah. So Absolutely. it's it's weird like I think record will be the only thing that you can kind of really get is vinyl, CD too, but like it's going to dwindle a little bit. And then I wonder if they'll come up with something new, like a new way of listening to music. I'd be very curious I, to see. I, I just hope that we don't have to resort to slinging like like physical copies in the back alley or something. You know, like where it's like, hey, right. yo, I, I got that Ernest Scare Stupid on blue. <laughs> yo, I got, that, I got that Day of the Dead 2 disc special effect. I'm like, oh, yo, yo, that's fucking incredible. How much? He's like, $1,000. I'm like, oh, Oh, oh! I know I'll I'll never get this shit ever again. So me, you know, yeah, you know, it's It's gotten that way. Start selling uh, physical media, so you know it's the new crack cocaine. Hey man, it it really is, man. I got the Blu-ray you always wanted, man. You you go on eBay. You go on eBay. There's like there's VHS for like fifteen hundred bucks. You know what I mean? It's gone crazy, dude. Like I remember, I seen like the. I have probably one of the most expensive VHSs I own is one of the original, like first print of Halloween. And, uh, that was, it's like last time I looked, that was like 1500 bucks. I don't even like talking about that on the show because <laughs> I don't want somebody to kick in my door and fucking take it. But like, it's crazy. The, uh, the uppricing on, on things nowadays, it's, it's straight exploitation of the fan. Yeah. Unfortunately. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree on that. You know, but James, this was a fucking great episode. All right. We appreciate you coming in. Everybody support James. He's a great dude and a great talent. And uh, we had him. We did the interview. So now when he returns, we'll be talking themes and fun stuff next time. Or <laughs> not that this wasn't fun. This was a blast. Thank you, brother. Yeah, now I'd love to come back, man. You guys are awesome. You guys Thank like you this. Was, I'm in the right. I'm in the right hand. So, <laughs> so sorry, okay. you're always welcome. And we'll be, we'll be promoting you heavily from here. Yeah, if you're doing any films and uh, movies and stuff like that, hit us up. I will promote you. Uh-huh. Actually, when the album- I'm down there, give you a hand if you need it. 
I, mean, I really we, appreciate that. We travel around. We travel around. And, yeah, when the I'll keep an eye out. When the album comes out, you can come back on. And uh, we want to get you on with some themes. We'll talk some movies and stuff. It'll be cool. I, yeah. I, would love, I would love to. I would more than love to. Hell, yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your Sunday over there, man. Thank you, brother. You guys, too, man. All right. Cool. Yeah, Let's talk, talk to you soon. Have a good one. Thank you. You too, bro. Talk to y'all soon. All right. Peace. Peace. All right, folks. That was a glorious episode with the great Afro. All flows reach out. Uh, if you're not hip to that dude, get hip to that dude. Um, hit him. Go on the Amazon. The, the, the album should be out soon. Um, hit up his YouTube. You know what I mean? Check out that the new single should be popping right now, the new video for it. Um, a lot of great things. And that dude's super talented. And uh, I see him getting only bigger and bigger and bigger. And I really do think that he's the leader of his generation for sure. I think that he, you know, I know that it don't even sound like a compliment because the music business is so crazy right now, but he's one of the best, if not the best dude in his age bracket making hip hop for real. Um, and that's out of everybody doing it, in my opinion. Um, hell yeah. So, you know, with that being said, go support the man and support us. Alex, do you want to say anything else in wrapping on this episode of the Boombastic cast? Not much more to add other than um, I think uh, he has a good head on his shoulders. And one of the things that I really liked that he said, like, you know, he's he's on set and he's asking people, you know, what their job is and all that. And whether it's music, whether it's film, whether it's anything, whether it's just art, I mean, you want to be better in what you do. You have to learn from people who have done it before. And the thing is, with saying that, it doesn't mean, you know, try to be like someone else. Use them for inspiration. And and that's uh, that's where I think and I, I hope because right now, unfortunately, if you sit down and you look at like Hollywood now and, and a lot of everyone's trying to do remakes and, and, and try to build upon something that's already done. But the thing is, if you're going to stand out, if you're going to make your mark, you have to try to do something uh, different. But. Use what has come before you as inspiration. You know, jump off of that. And uh, I really think that, you know, uh, he's a good guy. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows how, how to hustle. Mm-hmm. And and more importantly, he knows that you, you got got to learn everything. If you're going to do film, uh, whether you're doing music with the beats and, and all that, you got to know all aspects of it to become a success. Right. And I mean, heck, he's, uh, how old is he now? Uh, 25. 25? I mean, come on. He's, he's accomplished more at 25 than most 25 year olds I've ever met or even heard of. Amen, brother. Yeah. And, and the thing is that it just means that, you know, there's, there's so much more, uh, uh, there's a big future for him. There's so much more for him to, learn and do and, and, and to uh, accumulate. And it was great talking to him. He's very, he's one of us, man. That's what I think about it. You know what I mean? This show got started, you know, to go into the spongy thing of it, you know, this show got started because 
you know, us being in Massachusetts, you know, we, we don't get to bump into people at the coffee shop in California or New York, you know, stumble into some people that we're big fans of and be able to pick their mind about it. So we started this show so we can reach out all over the world, all over the world and talk to people. And that's kind of what it is. You know, we bring people in, we hear their stories, what worked, what didn't work. You know what I mean? You get a good vibe, you know, when we because we're, you know, we're filmmakers, Alex used to be uh, a rapper back in the day. He was a, good, <laughs> he was a very famous rapper. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was Big Burger Boy. Yeah, Big Burger Boy. They call him Big Burger Boy back in Triple the day. B. BBB. That was my rapper name. Triple B, baby. <laughs> Um, maybe there's a future in that. Maybe that should be your your other hobby is getting Triple B off the ground again. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I don't I don't think I, I got. Uh, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm as, as talented as a rapper as Corey Hay. I think that he and I are about the same level as, 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 as singers. Corey Haim? I mean, Corey Feldman. Sorry, dude. Like Corey, yeah. Unfortunately, Corey Haim has a, he, he's been, he's been laying dormant for the last couple of years. Yeah. He hasn't really been doing anything creative. Um, unless we're talking uh, it, about having a tree grow out of your chest or something. That's kind of creative, I guess. <laughs> Much love to Corey Haim. The Hamster is always numero uno in our book. Um, and Corey Feldman, if you're listening, we got nothing but love for you, dude. In a world where everybody hates your guts, you've got to be friendly with the ones who just poke a little bit of jokes and then show love because you catch a lot of hate out there. Uh, his advice was fantastic. You know, we've heard some guests in the past kind of go down that route. And I always think it's very valuable uh, advice when the, the hobby thing or the, the talent thing where it's like, if you have, it's good to have more than one because yeah, when you get caught up on one and if you're only focusing on that one thing and it's going bad, then you're only focusing on bad. So if you can, if that goes slides into the bad zone, you can move over into the next lane, so to speak, that you that you pursue, and that can be positive. Then you you ride out that positivity, and maybe you come up with a, sl- a snag with that, and then you can jump back into the other one with the positive nature. Because you know when things are going bad, it, whether people want to believe it or not, that it's a fucking burden on you. You know what I mean? Just the fact that it's going bad is a burden. You got to shake that shit off you and jump into positivity to bring positivity around type deal. So I always appreciate when the guests get into that. I think that's some of the best advice that anybody, I think the best advice that we've gotten on this show from people is that, that having something else. Um, And that's something that I never really considered until people started saying it. And that's probably some of the best advice that I've taken in from you know, the best advice I've taken in from the show is to have something else that you can throw your love into that, you know, still is kind of creative and supports the other thing. But, you know, it's to get you out of that madness. That's huge for me. And the thing about with the Feldman thing, the thing that like knowing that, OK, you're going through a tough time now, but this isn't forever. Give it a couple days. Give it a couple weeks. Give it a couple months, a couple years, if need be. Wait it out. And things will eventually fall back into place. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's, that's two of the best things that I've kind of taken in from all the people that give us their advice. You know what I mean? And Afro gave us some really good advice that I think everybody at home listening should really take into heart. Whether you're doing something creative, whether you're doing something not creative, I think it's just great advice to kind of have. You know what I mean? Heck yeah. So with that being said, we hope everybody enjoyed this episode. 
Go support Afro, uh, all his endeavors, music and film, everything, um, and his YouTube page, and support the boys at the Boombastic cast. Watch more episodes, listen to on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you want to listen to the Boombastic cast. If you want to watch the Boombastic cast, when you're checking out Afro's YouTube page, you type in some Boombastic media right after looking at his page, and you'll pop over into our page to show us some support, too. We got nothing but love for y'all out there. So with that being said, we hope everybody is fantastic, and we'll catch y'all on the Boombastic cast. Peace. All right. All right, folks. Welcome back. All right. All right, folks. Welcome back. All right. All right, folks. Welcome back. All right. All right.